You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week, we are talking about Toby Hooper's Poltergeist from 1982. Uh, and to help me talk about it, I'm happy to be joined once again by my friend, friend of the show, podcaster, 2006 movie buff. He has many titles, many names. He's here. Mark Warner. Mark, how you doing? <laughs> Matt, I am... <laughs> fantastic i am good i am doing wonderful i did not just get off of a 10-hour work shift it is not 10 o'clock at night it is just it is just it's uh 11 30 in the morning on a day off and it is just a relaxing recording session like any other day this is gonna be a very this is gonna be a like, <laughs> like your average episode of film feast yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm just going to pull the curtain back right away uh, to people. This may be the latest I've ever started to record a podcast. Uh, it's 11 o'clock at night, my time, on a Friday. So I woke up no, early for work. We had to have started the Knives Out episode later. I don't think so. I think, I think we started the Knives Out episode at like at least 10. 10 your time or 10 my time? 10 my time <laughs> okay which I mean, be... we're, cl- we're close if it, it's it feels later i think that was at least like a weekend or a time i was off or something because i am i am out of it mark i'll talk mark has a beer i have an energy drink i'm holding the microphone like a <laughs> like a reporter on the beat i usually set the microphone down like a professional with a windscreen i'm sorry if the the p sounds will pop more i apologize <laughs> I'm holding the mic. I want to lie down for this podcast if I could, but I think that'd be unprofessional. Um, I put on the remake of Poltergeist instead of the original. I'm not sure if I did that by accident or on purpose. Yeah. Mark Scott literally has the remake of Poltergeist on the screen next to (laughs) Fun fact, on this Blu-ray that came out in 2015, they had a trailer for Mike Flanagan's uh, Before I Wake. Remember back when that was like this uh famous kind of movie limbo that we never knew if we'd get or not and then it finally came out as a netflix movie that no one cared about (laughs) i didn't know there was that much of a story with that movie oh really yeah no it uh it was originally supposed to come out back in 2015 and then because it was uh relativity i think was putting it out some company went under Uh uh-huh and the movie just like kept getting passed around from distributor to distributor or it kept getting shelved 
Uh, and it didn't come out until Netflix put it out in 2017 or 2018. I forget when. Mm-hmm. That may be. Now you I think have, it was 2018. Yeah, that may be my least favorite Mike Flanagan movie. And I don't even think it's that bad. It's a good movie. But yeah, it's just it's a little more generic than his other movies. Yeah, yeah. So what are we talking about? Poltergeist, right? <laughs> so, Poltergeist, right. 2015, directed by Sam yep. Rockwell, no. <laughs> starring. Directed by Sam Rockwell? <laughs> He did double what if duty. We, what if we? What if that's the co- we? Just, in, we start a new controversy, and it's that Sam Rockwell actually directed the Poltergeist remake. I would love that because it would distract from the <laughs> Spielberg Hooper controversy of the original Poltergeist. Uh, although people probably wouldn't care. Let's be honest. Like I feel bad. <laughs> I know. I know you like. I I, I guess you like the remake. I do like the remake, yes. Can you can you at least admit though that it's one of those remakes people most people forget even exists? Uh one hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking it's in the camp with like the point break remake. But uh, like if you remember, <laughs> yeah, the point break remake is some nonsense. I think I made it about <laughs> ten minutes into that. Man, it's funny. I just recorded a podcast last night where there's a lot of remake talk. Oh, and yeah. uh uh-huh. ooh, excuse me. Uh Coors Light's coming back up. <laughs> that <laughs> and, kind of um, podcast, folks. That's what you're in for. Yeah, they um yeah, I was talking a lot about these very remakes last night, these kind of like bland, quote unquote, forgotten remakes that people care less about. And I don't know, I got a soft spot for them. But yeah, in 2015, this movie was like, people hated this movie. This was like one of the most, uh, I don't know, one of the most detested remakes to come out <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, And yet you immediately forgot about that vitriol because it was nothing compared to the uh, Paul Feig Ghostbusters that came out just the next year. Oh, yeah, that did take a lot of heat off it, didn't it? <laughs> like, oh yeah, which isn't the funny. That movie's not even really a remake, is it? It's like a, or is it? I can't. <laughs> it's just. I mean, regardless of what it is, it was treated as like just this besmirching of the right. original. Like, how dare you even d- d- these hollow grounds? Uh, we can't get into the. It's that's territory I don't want to wade into anyway. <laughs> Plus, it's eleven Fun o'clock fact, at night. You know, one more thing: uh, Gil yeah. Keenan, who directed the Poltergeist remake, wrote or co-wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I did which I just found out last night that when I was watching, uh, when I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, I just thought for some reason this reminded me of the Poltergeist remake. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like, that it was oh. written by the director, and I'm like. Hey. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, before we talk about the original Poltergeist, uh, what do you want to talk about anything you've seen lately for October? You watch a lot of horror movies, I assume? Why not? Uh, yeah, I do my best <laughs> to watch only horror in October, and I mm. think I've been doing a pretty good job of that. I don't remember what all. I've been doing mostly rewatches. Have you already talked about Halloween ends on this podcast with anyone? No, I, I meant to actually tell you maybe we should hold off on that anyway, because I know you're going to talk about it on another podcast and you're going to be on a this show again 
very soon with more guests. I I, I might be. <laughs> I might be. Oh, you that, might be. That's, that's right. That depends on certain factors. But yeah, you're right. I talked about that on another podcast. So we'll uh we'll just let that sit. <laughs> um all right. Ooh, I could talk about something bad. I never get to talk about bad movies because I like everything. I almost all I have is for once. Almost all I have is bad this time. So you might as well kick it off with. <laughs> oh my god, let's uh, this is let's talk bad talk with Mark and Matt. Uh, so I watched this movie called Grim Cuddy on Hulu. Have you heard of this? Oh my god, I think that a friend of mine messaged me and said I'm watching this movie called Grim Cuddy on Hulu. And he was telling me about it, and I was like, "This movie's not real. There's no way." And he was saying it's like a, like a wish upon, or it's not as bad as like the room, but it's a it's a movie that seems to him like it's it's so bad it's comical. Would you say that about Grim Cuddy? <laughs> I would not go that far. Okay, I think okay. it's so bad that it's just bad. It did not. <laughs> it doesn't have the like. The charm, like wish, wish upon, yeah, has a charm to it. Charm it has that, movie, that yeah. wonderful Joey King performance. This is a very like sleepy movie. It's like <laughs> sleepy bad movies are just the worst. Uh, yeah, like I stumbled upon it one night when I was just browsing through Hulu, and it, I don't know, it looked really bad, and something about like really bad creature design. There's like a point where. It, like a creature design in a horror movie can be so bad that it kind of starts to creep me out <laughs> i don't know how to put it in the words but uh -huh. i saw the design for Crip grim cuddy the little uh still image they had and i thought that looks so awful i'm kind of creeped out by it <laughs> I and i was kind of now. kind of fascinated to watch it uh, after that even though i had looked it up and it got horrible reviews and yeah it was it was not great. <laughs> the funny thing was like the most, it was kind of interesting though. Most horror movies about technology kind of end up with the end up in the pool, the, um, Oh my God. You, you can already sense that it's late. I can't structure a sentence. I can never structure a sentence. What am I talking about? <laughs> but yeah, they mostly wind up on the side of technology is bad and we need to keep it in check. And this one winds up with, uh, uh technology technology isn't nearly as bad as the people freaking out about technology mainly parents man because <laughs> it feels yeah, like it just don't understand a high schooler yeah, yeah it feels like it was written by a high schooler who's really annoyed by their parents overreacting to technology and they're like i'll show them <laughs> uh it's got I, I, it's got shannon Sossaman, but oh so that's it's always fun seeing her, but yeah. it's kind of sad seeing her in this. There's one kind of <laughs> fun little like crazy moment towards the end where it enter gets a little energy for like five minutes, but that's not enough to recommend Grim Cuddy. <laughs> I just looked up the monster on Google, and it I it truly like I'm look it straddles the line between being so goofy and stupid and kind of scary. Like it's I really. People should Google Grim Cuddy Monster because it's I partially the like it's like really bad CG. Uh huh. Or I think the close up shots might be practical, but there are a lot of like shots of it that are just awful CG. <laughs> Maybe still photos look better than seeing it in motion in the movie because like 
it's interesting. Uh, it I it really toes the line between being goofy and actually kind of scary. Um, that is bizarre. He sent I did he sent me a clip, my friend, and it was like oh boy. it was like who wrote this? Aliens? Like who wrote like it was like just some scene of dial people talking. It was like very melodramatic and. I was like, what is this? Who wrote this? <laughs> like, uh, okay, so Grim Cuddy sounds like a skipper. That's it's good. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah, skip the skipper. Okay. Um, what else I got? Uh oh, okay, I got a fun one I can talk about. Um uh, my uh our good friend Hayden really, really wanted me to watch the movie Dash Cam, the new movie from oh, yeah. uh-huh. Rob Savage, the director of host. But he wanted me to watch it with him because he wanted to see my reaction. Uh-huh. And yeah, I I want I, I like to watch a movie. If it's a movie I haven't seen, I like to watch it by myself. But I succumbed to his wishes and I just white waited to watch it with him. And uh-huh. oh god, this movie. Like I, I really liked host. And so I was looking forward to the guy's next movie. Uh produced by Blumhouse. You're expecting something a little uh I know a little higher budget. I guess you could see that in certain parts, but this, oh god, this movie, Matt, it is, <laughs> it's a tough movie to recommend because it's um, you're basically you spend the whole movie with this insufferable, obnoxious, like make America great again type woman just wander, yeah, a trumper just wandering around England with her like little YouTube show that she hosts from her uh, uh-huh. dash cam <laughs> and just making life miserable for everyone around her, except her best friend who, for some reason, puts up with her shtick, but he also is kind of sick of it. But mm. she'll like go into a restaurant and this was at, this was made at the height of the pandemic. She's just like, oh. imagine a movie, like imagine you're watching at the height of the pandemic and you see someone just walking into a restaurant without wearing a mask and they're just freaking out at her and she's just like, hey, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. It's, I can't even, <laughs> I can't put it in the words, but she is so obnoxious. I know some people are put off. That's what I'm saying. Some people are put off watching watching characters like that. If this sound, yeah, if it sounds like you're going to be put off by that, don't watch it. But I found it so obnoxious and so like over the top. And it's clearly it's clearly making fun of this woman. It's not on her side. I feel like a lot of people didn't like the movie because they felt like he was giving a voice to such a toxic character, but. She's clearly not someone you're supposed to sympathize with. You are watching someone who you are supposed to loathe and detest, and you're supposed (laughs) to enjoy seeing bad things happen to her. Anyway, my point being, I found it really funny. And just her obnoxious, over-the-top shtick, I I thought it was hysterical. And there were several moments Mm -hmm. where I could see people... Like, I could imagine other people groaning, but I was laughing my ass off. And the funny <laughs> thing is, like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just talking about the character. It turns into a really damn good horror movie, I think, in the, uh, like, about halfway point. Okay. I I think I heard some of the controversy came because the actress in the movie turns out in real life to be basically like her character in the movie. Like a real That's... hardcore MAGA person, anti-vaccine type person. So people had a really yeah. hard time with 
that part of it. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> and it's cl- again, it's clearly making fun of her. It's like, I don't know, some pe- people, whatever. I, I don't I, I don't know. It's too late for me to engage with that. I had a good time watching. It's a crazy little movie. Uh, but it's like take like just really carefully take into account what I've said, because it is a tough movie to recommend. You got to know who you're recommending it to. I gotta, uh, I gotta be honest, I don't of, know if I want to watch it. It doesn't sound pleasant so to me. <laughs> I watched it the a couple days or maybe a week after. I never I didn't watch Deadstream, but I saw I little bits and yeah. I wa- I saw little bits and pieces of it with Hayden and our friends, and um they watched the whole thing and they like everyone's liking Deadstream, but they hated it. They hated <laughs> it like about as much as you can hate a movie. And like Hayden just keeps saying that dead or like dash cams like the better vert. That's that's the movie that Deadstream wants to be. And I'm not gonna lie, like based on the little bits that I saw of Deadstream versus the entirety of saw I saw of dash cam, I had more fun with dash cam. Do you think the main actress in dash cam knew that they were making fun of her? <laughs> like if you think they're making fun of that character and she's like that character do you think that she was like in on I, the joke i don't know i mean you don't know i don't probably, know probably <laughs> i mean i mean you probably like you t- you're told that you're gonna be the star of like a big movie produced not even a big movie but like blumhouse blumhouse right, has right. cred they're producing a movie you're gonna be a star you're gonna be like fucking do whatever i don't care <laughs> and it it seems like it seems like they're all having good fun. Like the end credits is her literally just like coming up with a silly rap for everyone's name in the credits. Jesus, <laughs> sounds wild. It's, a, I, it's yeah. ridiculous, but it's. it's, it's I, fun, I haven't maybe. seen Dashcam or Deadstream. Uh, I've heard a lot about each, but I, I can't comment because I haven't seen either one. Also, sorry, Poltergeist remix still in the background. Did they change? <laughs> the line they're here to their coming is that their big change uh maybe? <laughs> I, I was Wait. reading the subtitles underneath and it, it was like oh now they're here okay i Never was mind. about to say like <laughs> i was like man. did they really think they couldn't say like we can't do their here guys like, they're coming great job relay okay sorry it was very distracting Matt, you're going like... off on a rant for something that didn't even happen <laughs> do you know how late it is <laughs> i don't know where i am uh i need an adult i'm scared <laughs> Um, no, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I told people, I warned them we started, this is going to be real loose, real nonsense. Um, ooh, 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 it's going to be fun. <laughs> anything else? You got any, any of the movies to talk about? Yeah, fine. One more. Th- Has anyone talked about Smile yet on your show? You know what? I don't think so. I haven't Weird. even seen it yet. Yeah. Everyone's loving Smile. It's getting great reviews. Making a lot really of money. Successful. Yeah. I'm not hearing anyone talk about this movie. Like Hayden, <laughs> God, I talk about Hayden on so many damn podcasts. <laughs> Everything yeah. always comes back to I got to find something to talk about with Hayden, especially tonight. But Hayden likes to talk extensively about every movie he sees, and he has not talked once about Smile. And it kind of got me worried. Like, is this like one of those good movies that you're just going to immediately think is not that good? But man. I thought Smile was great. 
I keep hearing it follows comparisons and they are justified. It, it is worthy of being held in that same regard. Not quite as good as it follows, but the way it builds up tension and builds to its scares is very reminiscent of that. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it came out at a bad time for me. It came out at a good time. The movie's making a lot of money. So I guess they timed that well to like very end of September. You start getting the October money. Uh, smart move. I don't know why more movies don't do that when they're horror movies. They're like, let's come out in November and miss the October window. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like, on the, oh God, the Doctor Sleep thing always still bothers me. They put it out like November, just completely skip the whole month of October. <laughs> anyway, um, very smart timing, very good marketing. The marketing on Smile was amazing with like people in like baseball games, like and random public events, like being creepy. Uh, like, oh, well, yeah, I haven't I don't seen even it. think I heard about that. Yeah, they were planting people like at like baseball games, like on the on the hard camera. Like, so you'd see them constantly. And people were on Twitter were like, what the fuck's wrong with this person? And then like quickly everyone figured out like, oh, they're promoting Smile. They had Smile on their shirt. So it was kind of obvious. But they were doing the creepy, like the big creepy smile. Um and it came out like I every weekend since it came out, I've been busy. And I would have been like there first weekend uh, if I could have. But it's like my sister's wedding happened, a bunch of other. It's just been busy, busy, busy. So uh, hopefully I'll see it before the end of this month. But yeah, it's doing very well. People seem to like it. So keeps making money. So it should be there like for the rest of October. And I would definitely yeah. like if you're going to catch something in theaters in October, definitely make it that. It's a great October watch. That's that's what it seems like. Um like, I think it came out in September. I'm kind of glad I waited till mid-October to watch. It was a perfect thing to go see in this month. I think it came out, like, literally last weekend in September. Like, they timed it pretty well. Like, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> like, smart smart moves all around for that movie, because it is clearly paying off. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to see it before the end of the month. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got to talk about, I think. All right. Uh, let me see. Um... Okay, not everything I've seen is bad, but I have two that I really didn't like that I feel like talking about. <laughs> Let's uh, hear it. So uh, you'll you'll appreciate this because the last time Mark and I were supposed to record this podcast, it fell through, and I watched <laughs> I watched Joe Dante's Burying the X in 2014, and Mark said, oh, "Hey, I'm sorry, I canceled. We don't have to watch Burying the X." <laughs> I Jesus. Oh, did not enjoy that movie. Um, uh, it was rough to get through i love joe dante i like this cast of uh the main three of anton yelchin ashley green alexander dario like all those people those three are trying <laughs> i think joe dante is it's it's not like peak joe dante but he's not like i don't know i don't want to say he's phoning it in but i think the script is garbage i think the script is god awful i think it tries to be funny it is not funny. <laughs> there's there's a god awful uh, comic relief character who's like Anton Yelchin's half brother or something, um, who reminded oh, me of mate. that guy. Is it Dan Fogel? The guy who was in all those movies like late two thousands. Dan like a, Fogler. Dan Fogler, that guy. He reminded me of that <laughs> guy. It's like we can't get Dan Fogler. Get a guy kind of like Dan Fogler to play this role. Um, Ashley Green, like. And Anthony Elcher, a couple, uh, they're not a good cut. Co- like, she's awful. Uh, they make her, like, the most shrill, uh, <laughs> terrible person. One-note person on the planet. Uh, she dies. And Anthony Elcher's like, I'm free to be with Alexandra Daddario, 
who I met at this <laughs> Halloween or horror sh- uh, shop, and we she you know, likes horror. horror, and guess what? I like horror too. <laughs> Are we perfect for each other? Oh, the script is written by a 14-year-old. Uh, it's, so they... <laughs> yeah, it's like the way I describe it, we got a lot of indie horror movies these days that are just like, they feel like fan movies. Just like, hey, let's just make horror movies about horror fans. We don't see enough of those. And they're just like very <laughs> quote-unquote basic. And mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. feels like Joe Dante is making one of these juvenile horror movies about up uh, for and about horror fans and it's like anton yelchin works at a horror store and it's like oh my god in fact i remember i think when i first heard about the movie i hadn't seen quite that many movies about this like about these types of people i'm like oh my god that sounds so cool but <laughs> yeah never mind that it's just a juvenile comedy and the it's, funny thing is yeah. it's like I genuinely love the characters and the performances in the movie. Like, uh, Anton Yelchin, he's just, like, he's just playing, like, he's just playing your typical, like, kind of, I don't know, middle-aged, like, kind of stuck in a rut, middle-aged, quote-unquote, loser. But he's not really supposed to be a loser. He's supposed to be happy with what he's doing. Uh, Yeah, stuck in a bad relationship. But I actually think the movie, like, feel like the movie did a good I, ashley green did a good job of making the character a little more human than she came off as i right. vaguely remember there yeah. being moments where i'm like oh wow she's like she's a human being she's not just a stereotype alexandra daddario she's just your like horror manic pixie, pixie dream girl i which was thinking like, the same thing i was like she's horror manic pixie dream girl like she runs like a horror ice cream shop i think jesus christ i forgot <laughs> And which Yo, listen, what the hell? Alexander Dario running a horror ice cream shop would be a dream, but it is a dream, and it's an it's like that's not going to happen in the real world. I know they're in LA and things are different there, but it's like yeah, the point being, like the yeah. characters and the performances in this thing, I always give them so much credit, and the, you know that the script is bad when they can't even make me care about what's going on. Because I I find that movie to be a slog, even though I love all of them. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I love all of you people. I love all you, but I can't. I, I Joe Dante, I, but I can't. I could barely make it through. I really did not enjoy it. I thought it was, it's a horror comedy with like no horror. I mean, Ashley Green like coming back and like decomposing is the horror. Like that's, it, but it's still just played like a comedy. Um, I, I I'm still questioning if there's any comedy in the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it didn't work for me either. But it's just it, the tone of it is purely like comedic. Ashley Green does try. She has such a one note character, like just like be the worst girlfriend ever. Like and then I just oh it's so there's so much wrong with that movie. <laughs> like oh boy. Did you um, ever see uh, the whole Joe Dante's previous movie before that? No, you know what's funny? I had a choice that day. I was like, should I watch Joe Dante's Burying the X or Joe Dante's The Hole? And I went Burying the X for some reason. Oh my god. I think it was easier to see or it was free somewhere. I I get it. It's Alexandra (laughs) Daddario. I think deep down we all might have made the choice, but it's not the right one. So The Hole is good. I love The Hole. I've actually been mean itching to rewatch that for a while. I stumbled upon a Blu-ray once, but yeah, if like 
I, I don't know. I know I have different tastes from a lot of people, so I kind of like, I, I'm a little hesitant when I like full-fledged recommend something. That's a movie I would wholeheartedly recommend. I think the, that's a great little fun throwback spooky Halloween watch. Like that was a good kind of 80s throwback. Like it, it doesn't take place in the 80s, but it feels mm-hmm. like an 80s Amblin movie. And that was before Stranger Things and everything really popularized that and made it kind of an obnoxious aesthetic. I think, yeah, the whole's fun. I'd recommend it. Okay. I'll have to watch that one next time. I I told you guys, I've watched some real crap for Alexandria Dario. Like, I've watched some bad movies for her. She She's stuck in some, <laughs> some bad stuff. But they probably all thought, oh, I get to work with Joe Dante or something, you know, and it was like, and then that's the movie there. I in. think everyone <laughs> on that movie thought, oh my God, I get to work with Joe Dante. And Joe Dante's like, I gotta, I gotta make a movie right now, man. I haven't made a movie in a while. Is that his last and movie too? The, n- technically, he did like a short in that oh. Nightmare Cinema, but that's his last feature. Last feature. Oh God, I hope he makes another movie before he goes, before he like is fully out. But um Anyway, yeah, Burry Max, not good. Uh, then I watched a movie that maybe get me a little more heat that I did not like it. Because um, I feel like I've watched so many of the big horror movies, and I'm like, what's left for me at this point? I've never seen any movies, any of the Wrong Turn movies. So I watched the original Wrong Turn from it's 2003. not going to catch you any flack. I don't know. People seem like they like Wrong Turn. Don't do they? I don't you know. know. <laughs> it's a horror movie that's 20 years old. Of course, people like it now. <laughs> uh, I might have liked it, too, if I saw it like as a teenager when it came out. But I, I saw it as a teenager. I thought it was garbage. Oh, OK. Well, <laughs> uh, also, a movie. That Ironically, I've been like. wanting to, I've yeah. been wanting to rewatch that. I, maybe I'll like it nowadays. But now that I'm hearing your thoughts, maybe I won't. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go That's keep okay. going. I, I I probably would have watched this or liked as a teenager because it has two people that were crushes of mine, Emmanuel Shikri and or Sh- I never say it. Uh and then Eliza. From Entourage. Oh, yeah, from Entourage. A show I never from watched. Dan Salabob Strike Back. There you go. That one I know. Uh from from <laughs> Snow Day. <laughs> oh my god. That's right. I forgot about that. Um Eliza Dushku, who's I think good in wrong turn. I think like she is the the, the main guy in wrong turn. Whose name I don't even know. Desmond Harrington. The g- is oh that my him? God. I think it's from him. Ghost Ship. Oh God, he wasn't Ghost Ship. This guy, this guy was like a sentient piece of cardboard that came to act. <laughs> I hated. I was like, this is one of the worst leads I've ever seen in any horror movie. He had no personality. He he had no life to him. He was like barely functioning. I thought he was terrible. And we spend like a little bit with him. Luckily, he meets up with Eliza Dushku and all her friends pretty quickly. But I was like, if this is the lead, I was like, where is Eliza Dushku? So like, get this guy out of here. And he sticks around. It's kind of mild spoiler for like the whole movie. And I was like, oh, God, you're the worst. I couldn't stand him. Uh, <laughs> like uh, the kills, the two of the, I think two of the kills, there's only like probably six kills in the movie. Two of them, I think, are off screen. Uh, oh my god what? Yeah, one I feel like you don't really see one's like really lame and one there's one good kill that I can remember in the whole movie and I'm not somebody who's like obsessed with like kills and slasher movies but like if that's all you're bringing to the table like because it's a very straightforward slasher movie it's like and it's funny because it comes out the same year as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake 
which I like a lot and much better than this That's movie. That's a really good movie. This has like no style. It has no no kills to speak of, except for like one good one. Uh it, there's like three antagonists who the makeup's pretty it's Stan Winston who does the makeup on these guys because they're like inbred backwoods West Virginia mutants i don't know like you don't see that much of them i feel like though it was it was very weird like i just was like there's nothing to this movie and i uh there's nothing to come back to it's not interesting it does nothing unique uh i can't believe it spawned like a six film franchise <laughs> like um it... did you ever see oh, wrong turn two by joe lynch the one no. that everyone like swears is the best one that's what i've heard yeah I haven't seen it, though. I've only seen this. This is the only Wrong Turn I've seen. I mean, the wrong... Yeah, I've seen the first... <laughs> like, Wrong Turn 2 is fine, but, like, the way people like to swear by that movie, like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they're just building it up because they were caught off guard by how much they liked it because it was just a DTV sequel. It's... Yeah. It's fine, but if, if it's better <laughs> than the first one, then... I just think, I'm watching the first one, I'm like, this is so not memorable so unspectacular it's i couldn't believe when it was over i'm like that's it that's the movie <laughs> like it's not a long movie oh. it's, so yeah uh watching wrong turn for the first time didn't really pay off very well <laughs> you know what the most annoying part was for some reason wrong turn when i looked it up to where to stream it was not available anywhere even to pay for so i bought a blu-ray of the first three movies uh, okay, it's just the first three. You didn't have to. At least you didn't have to buy that pack that comes with like all six, six of them, and you're yeah. stuck with like five <laughs> straight to video movies. You only got two of them. I Man, I might watch two out of curiosity because yeah, people do seem to like that one. It's fun. I don't know if it's I like Joe it Lynch. as much I mean, as everyone yeah. else. It's a fun movie. Yeah, Henry Rollins is fun. He's always fun. Okay, what else do I have? Um, okay. We're about to talk about a Toby Hooper movie. I watched a Toby Hooper movie I've never seen before. I saw this. I got a little upset about this when I saw this on Letterboxd. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Get so upset my ratings. Uh, I watched Toolbox Murders from 2004, uh, which I thought was okay. Like, fine. I don't know. It was like, eh. I thought the first hour was kind of eh. I thought the last 30 minutes was like this is Toby Hooper like I felt like that's where it really started to cook I felt like was the last 30 minutes um before that I was kind of in and out but I was like okay this is good it kind of reminded me of the funhouse in a way with the way that they you think the killer is one thing and they're kind of even worse than you think they are if that makes that I'm trying to spoil anything but it's like there's levels to the killer if that it's like and it's all about like the typical Toby Hooper thing about like a bad place and the apartment complex um, where all this bad shit's gone down and murders are happening. Uh, I did think Angela Bettis was really good as the lead. Um, she often is. She's, I can't I, yeah, think of I, a time when she's bad. I can't. Yeah, I really can't think of her being bad, honestly. So that was good. I think I may have been a little too harsh. If that makes you feel better. I think I could have bumped that rating up a little bit. I only gave it two and a half stars, but I think I could have given it three, maybe. Uh, just I, I the first like yeah hour was like really not super into it, and was like I don't. It's very low budget. I feel. I mean, I know he's he was working with a very very low budget, um, but doing what he could. But you know, I thought it was fine. I don't know. So, are you a big fan of this one? 
don't know. I wouldn't say a big fan. Like for the longest time, I thought I liked it more than I did. Like when I last rewatched it, I, I don't. I remember thinking that was a great movie. I rewatched it within the past couple of years. I thought that was fun, but not quite as good as my memory led me to believe. But I do think it is a really, it is a really solid, like just early two thousands kind of trashy, gory horror film with that, with that just. Hooper, like as much Hooper slickness as he could get into that and that Hooper mania. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one thing that's fun about it is to my knowledge, it's the only Sherry Moon zombie movie not directed by Rob Zombie. Yeah, she granted she's (laughs) only in it for like a second. I'm pretty sure she like agreed to work with him because of how supportive he was of House of a Thousand Corpses. And it's fun to see her. Right. Yeah, that was I was like, have I ever seen her outside of a Rob Zombie movie? And I I think they just mentioned might have been on the screen dress episode about Toby Hooper, that it's like that's the only place she's done a movie outside of a Rob Zombie movie is in Toolbox Murders. And uh, it was weird to see her outside of the Rob Zombie like out of his movies. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, It's it's good. It's I think it's probably better than its reputation. It's not talked about that much, honestly, like the later Toby Hooper stuff is not discussed i mean really god i mean like the into the 90s i feel like his stuff is not talked about nearly as much so um i'd say like like yeah after the canon stuff is after the where canon you stuff, don't really yeah. his stuff isn't that uh discussed that often yeah so i'm glad but i finally saw I, it yeah but yeah toolbox murders i i love the design of that apartment building and i feel like yeah. that is part of why i enjoy the movie so much like you know I like spending a movie in an interesting setting, and that apartment is interesting. Yeah, it is a good setting. I, I think I liked it more than I than the rating showed at the time. But that makes you feel better. <laughs> it was like I thought about it more. I was like that was pretty good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, okay, and last thing I will bring up. I should end with the Toby Hoop movie, but oh well. Uh, I a movie that just came out that I think most of the world. Uh, doesn't even know is out. <laughs> uh, VHS 99 popped up on Shutter. Uh, our friend Daniel Epler texted me and Keith and said, "Did you know there's a new VHS movie on Shutter?" <laughs> and I said, "I forgot till the day it came." Like I'd read like one article months ago. And I think you and I had talked about it. We're like, "Oh, sweet new VHS movie!" Because I liked 94 last year, and then this one came out. I heard about it months ago, and then I just I think I messaged you and said. Oh shit, the new VHS movies out. <laughs> like I no one advertised it. I just saw like it on Shutter or somewhere just popped up and I was like, "Oh, there it is." Um I like these movies a lot for the most part. I was excited about the new one. Um it's a mixed bag as you probably expect. I uh apologies to our friend Hayden who heard me say all this stuff because we were messaging about it earlier, <laughs> but uh I'll be I'll be vague cuz you haven't seen it yet, but um so there's five segments and I feel like five is like one too many. I feel like, well, the funny thing is like the original was also five segments, but that was also a two hour runtime. This is almost two hours. Wait, it is. Yeah. Letterbox has it listed as like 90 minutes or like 99. It's like like an hour and 50 minutes long, I think. Okay. Well that's all right. Then, you know, that, (laughs) that checks. And uh, it's, I, I was choking. I don't know if you heard this. I was like, I felt like I was watching it for about five hours. I think because I had to keep stopping it. That was my fault because uh, I was doing other stuff. But um, it's that's still how go- I felt with the monsters. 
<laughs> a movie I liked, but it went on. It, that's that movie doesn't need to be almost two hours, especially. It doesn't help I'm that it's like plotless. It. It's, like... it's a very episodic movie, and it welcomes pausing. Yeah, and VHS A nine like is guys. Don't sorry. Don't take away that I don't <laughs> like the monsters. I don't want to put that out in the universe. Yeah, it's understandable. I mean, people that like it, I've heard say it's like it's it's plotless, so it's kind of like it has no narrative drive. It just kind of you know happens. But I liked it too. But uh, at least VHS is like there's broken up into segments, so you know you can kind of like stop and go as you please. But uh, it's good. I feel like how do I do this without <laughs> spoil too much? Like. The, it's it's there's not there's not a segment i think that is like really bad it's better than viral i think it's a little to me it's a little worse than 94 because that 94 was pretty solid across the board the last segment was a little wonky but has a good ending um i thought the last segment of 94 was ass <laughs> a lot of people did um, so I, no filter yeah. no filter it's 10 35 at night but every other segment in 94 i really liked yeah, I so I, yeah, I don't know. This this feels like a little goofier and like a little more like they're really just kind of fucking around almost. Like even the the in between uh, the wraparound segment starts off really goofy. It's funny because I shouldn't I wouldn't spoil anything, but like the wraparound kind of turns into something different like halfway through, and you're like, oh okay. Um, but it starts off very goofy. It's like very silly. Um. I keep forgetting the first segment. I was telling Hayden, like, I had to struggle. The first segment's fine. Uh, I won't even say what the segments are because I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you. But, like, the second one is by Johannes Roberts. I think it's pretty good. It's probably the most legitimately scary and straightforward horror thing in the whole thing. Uh, the Woo! third one is by Flying Lotus, who I believe is, like, a rapper, musician. Uh, uh... And it's really fucking weird. Like, it is goofy and weird. I will say that it involves like a 90s kids game show that reminded me of Legends of Hidden Temple, which I loved as a kid. So I was a little bit a sucker for that aesthetic. And it gets so weird. Like if I tell you that, you have no idea where it's going to go. Um, he so. did that movie Kuso that was released on uh, Shudder. Did you ever watch that? I never even heard of it. <laughs> I heard it was absolutely disgusting. So oh, that's just okay. what I'm anticipating for I this could, one. It's a little bit of that in his segment. It's it's probably the weirdest, most off the wall thing in the whole movie. Um, what is the fourth one? <laughs> uh, oh, the fourth one. Okay, yeah, the fourth one's fine. Uh, the last segment, I think, I can't. I think it's by the. Oh God, who's it by? It's a husband and wife team. I don't is know it what the else. The Deadstream people. It might be the Deadstream people. I know uh, they did one of them. It might be. And they, the last segment, I think, usually I feel like if you don't have a lot of money, like don't push your budget. It's like, or don't, don't try to do something you can't possibly pull off. But I think they really do a good job with like, they're trying to envision something in the last segment with a big scope where they don't have a lot of money, but it actually works pretty well. I think I really like the last segment. It's, it's probably a little too goofy for its own good. Uh, it probably play a little better if it was serious, but um, it's, it was interesting because I was like, wow, they're really trying to push the boundaries here with this low budget and actually have this big vision. Um, I mean, you know, it's a VHS movie. I think you and I agree. We both really like these and I'll take more. I, they're already working on the next one for next year, apparently. So and I'm yeah, I'm happy whenever we get one of these. I think it's uh, so far a mostly solid franchise. Yeah. I mean, this is virals the bottom and there's some stuff to enjoy in viral. But like, <laughs> I, I think yeah. like 
you know, eh, it's all right. Uh, th- people should, I mean, yeah, this one's kind of coming out with like no fanfare. I was like 94 came, I think cause there was a big gap between viral and VHS 94. People were like, Oh, a new VHS movie. And this one's coming so quickly on the heels of the other one. I think people are kind of like taking it for granted. I don't know. It's like, it's had no advertising. I don't know. I mean, uh, the uh, second one came out only a year after the first one. I feel like those were both pretty, uh, pretty big hits. I think, yeah, Shudder just hasn't, like, there hasn't been a lot of fanfare for this one. Like, they're, I don't know if it's Shudder putting it out. Maybe they didn't have the online marketing panache of magnet which put out the first three i don't know but i i was shocked when i got that uh, message from you because (laughs) it was it was dropped on a thursday for some reason weird yeah that's new movie on a thursday that's strange (laughs) but yeah i'm hopefully gonna watch it i was planning on watching it after we recorded but i'll be lucky if i can if i don't fall asleep the second we stop (laughs) <laughs> uh so i'll hopefully watch it before the weekend's over yeah i mean it's good it's good i had fun with it um and i'm excited yeah it's i was gonna say um yeah it just came out of nowhere oh do you have a favorite vhs movie uh yeah the first one i go back and forth with if like one or two better i think i'm i think i may be overrating two because i just love the the Timo segment so much, which I got. Safe Haven, yeah, Safe, safe Haven. Haven. That segment amazing. is phenomenal, and <laughs> yeah, it might be uh, it might be better than any individual segment <laughs> yeah. in one. But man, the the vi- the vibe of one, just like that really low grade look to everything, and I don't know. Also, one, I just I saw it knowing nothing about it and was mm. so surprised by it and it just like left the biggest smile on my face. Also, I think it's the out and out scariest. Like I yeah. think the yeah. Excuse me. Like I th- the wraparound is nonsensical, but I think it's <laughs> creepy. Like the just the way it's shot and the setting that they're in and the way like there's an old man in front of like where the guy's watching all this footage, there's an old man just dead in a chair. And at one point his body just disappears. Yeah. And about that. the yeah, David <laughs> Bruckner segment, despite being about horrible people, is still really scary. Like the way yeah. you the way you slowly find out about the quote unquote siren is I think that's that's to me the best thing Bruckner's done so far. Oh wow! Uh, okay. I, st- I haven't seen the ritual, and I like the ritual. The, it's good. <laughs> the radio silence segment, eleven thirty-one ninety, whatever it, whatever it's called. <laughs> uh huh. I that segment is terrifying, but also really fun. Yeah, the first VHS. I'm I'm dragging this out. I think it's awesome. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Yeah, the first two were so good. Then it's like viral comes out, and you're like, "The fuck is this?" <laughs> viral, yeah, viral kind of sucks. But that Nacho Vigalondo segment's pretty great. I think. Is that the one? Maybe with like I'm the skateboarders, hyping... or is that the... no? That that's Benson and Moorhead argue oh. uh, amazingly enough, though. Like you wouldn't guess that from that. No, yeah, no. Nacho did the one where it's like a guy kind of finds, uh, like opens an alternate dimension and he kind of like meets himself in that dimension they kind of like trade places and the guy from the alternate dimension (laughs) is like it goes some (laughs) messed up places okay 
Yeah, this is coming back to me now. You know what's funny? I think I told you about this idea that I had an idea for an October episode where you and I, this is before I think even 94 came out, that we would rank the VHS segments, like the individual segments. Ooh, but that, ne- that would be fun. It would be fun. But now I think they've made so many. It's like it'd be very hard to to rank this many. It would be many. long. Like you've got 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, like 22 segments. Yeah. And now they're going to make another one next year. So then I'd feel like it's incomplete if we made one like before the next one comes out. If they keep pumping them out, it's like, you know, I kind of thought we were done at a certain point. So I was like, oh, yeah, let's I think it was. Yeah, before 94, because I was like, OK, well, because it's such a long gap that I was like, they're not going to make any more. And then they were like, we're continuing. I was like, well, shit. Um, so, yeah, it would have been fun. But I think it would be too. Like, how do we even keep track of that with two of us trying to rank segments back and forth? <laughs> but um it's a good idea. I don't know. They just keep making them. I'll, I'll keep taking them. It's fine. Uh, uh, I love yeah, I I love <laughs> that franchise. Like even though I like they got they got a lot of got a lot of turds in there, but <laughs> it's still overall I get excited when there's a new one. And I'll keep watching them. I think the I I think it's more hits and misses though. I think like there's definitely usually like a bad segment. <laughs> like that's most anthologies, and I feel like but their hit ratio is pretty good. I think absolutely yeah but i don't know anyway uh, you know what i will yeah. say <laughs> uh-huh. maybe now with the exception of viral maybe i like the nacho segment so much just because everything else in it is so bad <laughs> uh-huh. but like if if that like if there were more good stuff in that maybe i'd be like that segment's good but it's not great but i do feel like each one that i've seen has at least one great segment one where i'm like Okay, that's an all-timer. That's something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. I'm yeah. going to keep coming back to. That's true. Um, okay, do you want to talk about Poltergeist? <laughs> yeah. What do you <laughs> want to say about Poltergeist? Uh, it's really good. Goodbye, everybody. No, <laughs> really I thought you hadn't seen it. Wait, what? Yeah, because I told you, like, man, you should, uh, you should try and watch this one before we record. And then you were like, Man, I watched VHS ninety nine, and now I gotta watch. Uh, I gotta watch the original. I'm not. Oh, gonna you have mean time the, to I was talking about the original, not the not the remake. What if we spend this whole episode? You're talking about the original, and I'm talking about the remake, <laughs> and we just like we just keep that shtick going. Oh God, I don't think I could keep up with that. It's too late. I can't. <laughs> I can't keep up with that kind of that kind of uh, gimmick or that bit. Um, I apologize. Um, the remake's still going on behind you. I see. <laughs> I I was noticing. I, I can't Isn't the this an attractive cast? Well, it is. It is. Uh, they, <laughs> they. I love this cast so much. Both all, all the Poltergeist movies have pretty good casts. Yeah, I mean, the first one, I was like, I really appreciate this cast. Um, here's a question: We're talking about the remake. I can't. We're starting with talking about the remake, but uh, <laughs> I noticed that the remake and the original, the remake's like twenty, almost twenty something minute shorter than the original so what do they drop out a bunch of character stuff like because um, how, mean, how not... close a remake is it is it like a is it like a psycho remix scenario or is it like try to do some wild different things it's pretty close i mean i'm not okay. gonna lie i've i've only seen it the one time and oh, that was about were... a year yeah. ago uh-huh. i um i wanted to watch it before we recorded because i i really enjoyed it and i mean it's a good october watch but moving and dealing with a bunch of stuff other podcasts i didn't really have time to squeeze in all the poltergeist goodness that i wanted to but 
Um, I will say I don't know which version I watched because there's an extended edition on the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm wondering if I maybe wa- if I watched that or the theatrical, but I I don't feel like they cut out too much. Maybe they cut out some character stuff, but it still feels like it flows pretty nicely. Yeah, I was just curious. I feel like that's because there's a point to jump in. I feel like the original is so good this time because I was like how much they take time setting up the family. Cause I think it's a while before anything really that scary or paranormal happens, but they set them up. They have the whole scene with, um, Joe Williams, Gracie Nelson in their bedroom, just hanging out and smoking weed, <laughs> which, which I love. Cause like, and just stuff like that little... feels like Toby Hooper. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> there's, there is a lot of, I mean, we can just get into that right away, too. The whole Spielberg-Hooper debate, which I'm... I think you know I'm very tired of, like, the, that like that controversy. Um, I mean, because there's so much in here that's, like, so clearly Toby Hooper. There's a lot of stuff that feels like Spielberg, though. Like, there's a lot of stuff that feels like him. But... I think, like, I mean, okay, part of it is that, like, like, the, like people on set are kind of perpetuating some of these rumors which i uh look i i i, I believe toby hooper directed this i want to believe that i mean it sounds like he did it just sounds like spielberg was a very hands-on producer and like like you can sense like it does feel very much like his sensibilities more than hooper's sensibilities because it was kind of a you know director for hire job for hooper but like right, i can't yeah. like tell people who worked on that movie who felt like they were more directed by Spielberg than they were directed by Hooper. I can't necessarily tell them they were wrong because they're the ones on set. Like they have more experience with this than (laughs) me, but I don't know. I feel like you can be more, I don't know. I feel like you can be more involved with Spielberg than Hooper and it can still be Spielberg's movie. No, Hooper's movie. Oh my god. It's oh god, you're doing it already. Well, the weird thing is, I've seen a lot of Spielberg movies in general, but like his produced movies. There's a lot, of, especially in the 80s. I feel like why does the Goonies not get this rep? Because to me, the Goonies feels very Spielberg. Why does Back exactly. to the Future not get this rep? They all feel like they could easily be directed by him. I think the problem is, and this is the part that makes me mad, is that I feel like a lot of people who talk about this think Toby Hooper is not capable of directing a movie like this, where that's this quality, which is frustrating. That is one hundred percent it. <laughs> the thing about Toby theory. Hooper, everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, he directed one good movie, and that's it. I'm like, get the get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, there is Ugh. like the guy has so much. The has a very unique sensibility that might not speak to everyone, but you cannot deny that the guy cannot just make a good movie like like i mean he made salem's lot salem's lot is very much it's probably out of everything he made the closest to poltergeist yeah because it's about like like quiet small town and it's a lot darker than poltergeist because it's that does feel like he has like it's more it's like he has more control over it and also he's working with Stephen King who that's something we can talk about eventually how this was like originally going to be a collaboration between the the Steven Spielberg and King yeah yeah 
and uh yeah salem's lot like you watch salem's lot like you can easily believe that this guy directed poltergeist yeah or even i was thinking of invaders from mars which i kind of feel like he took some lessons from this and took to that movie because it's like i I haven't seen it yet oh i need to watch it i think you would like it um it's just, yeah, I think because this, oh boy, <laughs> Text Chainsaw Massacre gets, you know, like that it's so dirty and grimy and grindhousey and like it does have a very, it feels dirty and hot and sweaty. But like if you watch like the camera moves and like how he's just shooting everything, it's very well done. It's not like a cheap, shitty production. Like there's that, the that wonderful move, like, under the swing, he follows. Oh God, I'm blanking. I, I read shorts. It's all like uh, into the house. Uh, that whole camp. He's, yes, yeah, yeah. All, it's like he does all these things. Like he's a good director. He didn't get budgets a lot, and he didn't like. He's working. I think what really makes it feel like Spielberg is he's working in like Spielberg's. I would call it like Spielberg's neighborhood because as a kid, I I thought that was like every. Hollywood movie took place in that neighborhood because <laughs> I, 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 this ET, I, I maybe remember this wrong, but I feel like the gate may have been shot in this. This neighborhood's very iconic to me. I feel like the Mac and me, the ET report, I think was shot here or, or neighborhoods that look just like it. This was like Spielberg town. This whole because they were shooting this in ET, they were like minutes away from each other apparently. So they were in the same area, Poltergeist and ET. That's the, the controversy too is, of course, he was not. Spielberg, like from the DGA, was not allowed to shoot two things simultaneously. Uh, so Hooper was doing this. And sorry, back thing you said, I'm all over the place, but it's late. Uh, the thing you said about the actors, Fun. I could, I did a lot of research, but in what I saw, there was only two people that that I saw on record who were like Hooper directed us. It, well, actually, one was a producer, and one was Zelda Rubenstein, who sounds like she didn't really like Toby oh. Hooper. You mean Spielberg? You mean that Spielberg directed them? or that Spielberg directed it? Yeah, they they because yeah, I read that about uh, Zelda Rubenstein, which is... she had some other quote about like he was on drugs or something. <laughs> like it sounds like she didn't like. She's wonderful in the movie, but it sounds like she didn't like Toby Hooper that much. So that's not really a great source. And then that guy John Leonetti, who directed Wish Upon, so we should take his word for it. Uh, <laughs> like I don't believe anything that man says. He was that's all yeah. started. This all started, I think, on uh, not all started, but it came back up because he was on Shockwaves years ago, and I think Elric Kane asked him about jokingly who directed Poltergeist, and he went off. John Leonetti went off on this whole rant about how it was Steven Spielberg, um, but a lot of other people have said, you know, that Hooper directed them, and no one wants to listen to them. Spielberg took an ad out in some paper and all this stuff, and was like, Toby Hooper directed it, and they kept working together. Like, because Toby Hooper did Amazing Stories episodes, I think. Um, Even as far as the 2000s, he directed an episode of that, this uh, miniseries for sci-fi Spielberg Spielberg produced (laughs) called Taken. No, not that Taken. This isn't like an alien Taken. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it just, it's just like a thing that spiraled out of control because people can't possibly imagine Toby Hooper shooting a movie in the suburbs is what it feels like like because you know yeah I, so i'm just gonna Go say, ahead. i think part of it is that you know one of the things you associate with a toby hooper movie is like manic energy and that usually comes right. about in the climax but like even so like his movies feel very energized and 
poltergeist there are long stretches of poltergeist that are very sedate that are quiet Mm -hmm. and i can't think of many hooper films that are ever allowed to be quiet or i don't want to say allowed but (laughs) hooper's not a guy that really allows his films to be quiet like usually chaotic is the prime adjective i think of when i describe hooper and there are parts of poltergeist that are chaotic but overall it's a very sedate movie and i think it just feels so different from everything else in his career that i mean i don't i don't agree with anyone saying that spielberg directed it but i can at least see why they might come to that conclusion right i mean it makes sense i just it's it funny like i think spielberg is very clearly a heavy-handed producer especially like you can see that in the 80s i feel like um so i mean also I, I was thinking about could it toby hooper just be thinking like oh you know this is my chance to work with steven spielberg and make a movie for him and have a decent budget which he doesn't usually have and the budget it's like 11 million dollars which is of course bigger in 82 but not like a it's not massive but it's good um so maybe he was thinking like maybe i should try something a little different but he still has hooper touches in there like my god when uh oh what's his name pulls his face off in the oh my god (laughs) that's in a pg movie um that's yeah that is pure hooper and he's able to get away with it because he's being produced by spielberg (laughs) you know the thing i read i i'll admit because i've been so busy i didn't get to do as much research into the production of this as i wanted to Uh, I pretty much just read the Wikipedia production (laughs) summary, but Uh it started as Spielberg was pitching kind of a horror-themed sequel to Close Encounters called Night Mm -hmm. Skies. Right. And that's what he was kind of interviewing Hooper for, and it was kind of Hooper's idea. He said he he was more interested in doing a haunted house movie. He didn't want to do the uh, science fiction elements. And Spielberg worked with him on that, and that's how they kind of molded Poltergeist. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just like, "Hey, man, come on, do this movie for me." This is exactly what you're gonna do. Like they, it was a very collaborative relationship. I do think, like, I do think Spielberg had more of an influence than, say, you know, a lot of the diehard Toby Hooper directed this movie people want to admit but i still think toby hooper directed this movie i do think this is a toby hooper film there are a lot of things in this movie you don't get if he's not behind the camera right i mean yeah i kind of actually agree with you i just think i just think spielberg's very influential especially this time he's got a lot of power um this is like yeah this is like he's already one of the most powerful people in hollywood and he's not even been in the game for really 10 years yeah I was really watching today thinking like this is really this really feels like a collision of their styles because it's pure like Spielberg suburbia <laughs> and then some real Toby Hooper madness. Like there's some real like the steak exploding, the face being peeled off, um, some of the goopiness when they get, come back from the you get some nether great region. moments. Of, <laughs> <Yeah>. You get some <laughs> great moments of actors just losing their shit like the um. <laughs> The most obvious is Craig T. Nelson, like Love you it. son of a bitch, you moved the you moved the grave, you moved you moved the headstones, you moved the headstones, you left the bodies, you left the bodies, you only moved the headstones. When he yells "why" at him, he ends up like "why, why, why? 
<laughs> He's like, I was and then, loving it. I uh, was loving it. Yeah. <laughs> Hayden's favorite moment. He always brings it up. We talk about it is um when the do- when uh the older daughter shows back up yes. after like going to have dinner with her friend, just as everything's going to hell. And it's just like that big zoom in on her, and she's zoom like, What is happening? <laughs> Her, her what is happening and the zoom in is so good i was like this is fantastic it's uh, amazing and yeah just like every actor with the exception of heather o'rourke in that finale is just having a pure hooper meltdown <laughs> yeah because i was thinking for some reason my mind goes to the mangler with uh ted levine have you seen the mangler I I really like the Mangler. I do too. I do. I like it too. That's I mean that's pure Toby Hooper manic crazy energy. Um, and when he's when Ted Levine's like going nuts on like an ice box, and he's just screaming. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, amazing. It's so good. Uh, so people get some of those moments too. They really. I mean, yeah, Craig Nelson. I forgot about how nuts he goes on uh James Karen near the end. <laughs> like, uh, just why why. <laughs> like uh and oh can we talk about the uh mandela effect of this movie where everyone always says poltergeist like oh yeah the house is built on an indian burial ground or a native american burial ground that's not what's happening explicitly says we didn't build it on indian burial ground but for some reason that has like just it just stuck like i'm i'm guilty of it uh i'm, I'm it, guilty of it. and i just watched the movie this morning yeah James i've Karen, already forgotten it <laughs> james karen specifically says to him it's like we it's not he's like it's not like we did which may be the problem if he didn't like if he didn't like do an inception on that in people's minds they might not even thought about it but i think that line sticks with them and they forget he said it's not like we did that it's almost like they think he's saying that's what we did but no, they just built on a normal, I guess a normal Sarah cemetery. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it's I think Family Guy did a whole episode where they take that. I mean, it's been every a bunch of other movies did that. It's I've like, seen like, I've seen that Family Guy episode, I think more so many way times. more times than I've seen the movie. So watching Poltergeist, it's kind of hard not to just see uh Peter sticking his head into the closet and then his head's just coming out of Meg's ass because that's the exit <laughs> to this dimension. Yeah I, yeah, I love Family Guy. I I do too. I I it's almost like you almost feel like shameful admitting it, but it's like it's a comfort. I for don't. Me. I it's I. <laughs> it's very I've silly. To, I've come to terms with my love of Family Guy and all things <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. I do love to throw it on like when I can't sleep or I'm trying to go to sleep because it's like such a I especially the earlier seasons I watched so much of that. They're like real comfort food at this point. Like they're just, Oh man, the, I've, I, the early seasons are great, but I love like, I love seeing how stupid, stupid <laughs> things can get. Uh-huh. And sometimes the sheer stupidity of that show in the later seasons just makes me laugh my ass <laughs> off. It's so great. I could see it. Um, Okay, sorry, we're off topic on Family Guy, <laughs> but but yeah. So no. it's, I was just laughing about that and then googling like, man, Pete, that has really stuck. Like people really remember that wrong. And again, I'm guilty of it, but it's just so funny how that that's all I ever heard of this movie when I was younger. And I, I story time too. I saw this movie very young because I had a babysitter. I, I famously have said like on this show, famously is the wrong word. Uh, I was like, I have said many times uh, that I was not a horror kid. Didn't like horror movies, but I had a babysitter who was like a real tough lady named Millie from New York, 
who I think loved <laughs> horror movies and would show me and my sister horror movies occasionally when she was babysitting. And the only three I remember that really stuck in my mind were uh, Poltergeist, The Gate, and The Shining. And I think he shows like a TV cut of The Shining because there's a lot of stuff I didn't see till years later. But um, she was like, would sit us down and be like, oh, it's a good horror movie. You should watch it. I'm like, okay. And, but Poltergeist, I remember specifically kind of lured me in with like a false sense of security because like, oh, I recognize this neighborhood from E.T. And oh, this feels like a nice, safe family. Everything's okay. And. <laughs> <laughs> it like it it really like lured me into like the safety and then it just starts laying the hammer down and you're like I was like what the what, what is this like but I was really into it I feel like as a kid like I was like I enjoyed it but then I didn't see it for years like years and years afterwards but I but yeah she showed it to me at first and I'm surprised I wasn't like more traumatized like especially the <laughs> the face being pulled off because I was not watching a lot of horror movies but um I'll just never forget, yeah, that I was, like, I felt safe with it, and then it, like, whipped me around, and I was like, oh, shit, it's a horror movie. <laughs> like, I was like, what is it? But it's, it is, it's not, again, it's PG, so it's not, like, crazy. Well, it it should be PG-13. It should be, it, yeah. It, it feels exist, like yeah. it's one of those movies, because Spielberg was kind of single-handedly responsible for the PG-13. This right. trivia, everyone knows, but between <laughs> Gremlins and uh, Temple, Temple of Doom, of Doom yeah. I feel like this is unofficially part of that catalog, because yeah. he... Like, the, the face peeling alone, it really pushes the <laughs> envelope of what you that can would, get away with with a PG. I feel like that almost pushed a PG-13 in a weird way, but I don't know. The effect now is kind of like, I don't want to say goofy, but it's it's clearly an effect, I will say. It's like, funny, yeah, you're like, his face is moving like an animatronic. In and the hands are real, and but it, 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 when he starts peeling it off, it's it looks good. It's very effective, but it's like clearly a fake head. But uh, I thought I had more to that story. But no, I just, it was funny because I saw Poltergeist so young, and... This all oh you know I was <laughs> I was like I don't know five or six like real young and I think I had this idea in my head like that every movie was directed by Steven Spielberg <laughs> because it was like this <laughs> E T Back to the Future Indiana Jones and I was like oh he was the first director I ever knew by name and I was like this guy must direct every movie because it was all the movies I watched were like Spielberg movies. It was like, oh, he must be the director for every movie. Um almost at the time. It's like he felt like he was directing everything, like um or had a hand in everything. I kept seeing his name on stuff, you know, like Back to the Future. And as a kid, I didn't really make the the connection of like producer, director, um, all that stuff. But it's it's just funny how prevalent he was. And I was like, he directs everything. That's me as a kid. Uh that's a name, yeah, that's a name that pops up a lot in credits so if you're if you're paying attention to credits and you're young you see that name a lot you're gonna start thinking well this guy does everything doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. and just and just the pol- the neighborhood is like I, I don't know how many movies it's been in but it feels like it's been in a bunch of movies and i feel like it was everywhere as a kid so it felt like i was like i know this neighborhood i know this place it's safe um yeah, west of verde I yes. can't believe I remembered that. Good job. That's right. I was uh, watching it this morning. I was like, there's no way I'm going to remember the name of the subdivision tonight. I better write it down. And then I didn't <laughs> write it down. And I somehow remembered it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh oh, and the movie also taught me the whole uh thunder lightning timing technique. I've kept that I think yeah, I think that <laughs> taught everyone. <laughs> and uh luckily I didn't have a scary tree outside my window, so I was happy about that because I was more scared of that tree than I was of that clown. I was like, clowns don't scare me, so the tree is terrifying. <laughs> tree is eerie yeah the first time i saw this i never really had that experience where i was terrified by poltergeist i the first time i saw it was like a little old like i was a little older like i must have been 12 or 13 it was in an age where movies had to work a little harder to scare me Mm -hmm. and I don't even think I watched it expecting it to be a scary movie, but it just happened to come on Turner Classic Movies one day. I was like, I've heard about this movie. I want to watch it. And I remember not really being scared, but just thinking it was a great movie. Like I was hooked on the story and the characters, and I thought it was like a great thrill ride, but I don't remember it really scaring me. And it... Mm. There are eerie moments throughout, but I don't think I've ever had that experience where this movie just like truly scared me. Yeah, I that's the funny thing watching again today. And as a, as a kid, the only thing that really scared me, I think, was the whole face thing, <laughs> which is pretty insane. But uh, I never found it really scary. It was that's why it was OK for me as a kid. I was like, OK, this is like a horror movie, but it's not it's not terrifying me which i appreciate it but i but i thought it was a I always thought it was a good movie i was always interested and i still think because i don't base my enjoyment of a horror movie off like really how much it scares me that doesn't really matter no, of to course me. not no no i like so i just think it's a that's i think it's first and foremost just a really good movie and like i like the family and like their dynamic i think that's already good that's, that's great I, characters great it's characters. A, like, like it's it's yeah. really like it's it's a great example of how like characters can make a movie Whereas right. burying the X is a great example of how characters <laughs> don't make a movie. <laughs> this is true. They can only do so much, but luckily most er- everything else in Poltergeist is really good. Um, I think it's like damn near perfect. And yeah, I was like, that's, I mean, horror movies get criticized a lot for having like one dimensional characters or characters you don't like, you know, like you just want to see them die, but, but it's like <laughs> not Poltergeist. Like I, you love the family. I feel, I mean, at least me like pretty quickly, um, who who can't love uh, Heather O'Rourke? I mean, Caroline, she's great. And like the parents are cool. You like the parents. Um, they seem realistic. They seem relatable. Um, it's it all feels like a genuine family. And then like just this crazy thing happens to them. Like you know, like I think I was just listening to Lindsay and Daniel do a podcast on uh, on Shock and All, and one of them picked Poltergeist as their trailer, and they were discussing Poltergeist a little bit, and Daniel was making the point like this was kind of like the haunted house movie that brought the haunted house to people like to the suburbs. Usually you go find the haunted house like older movies. It's like, oh, let's go investigate the spooky house. But like, no, they live in the spooky house. Like I know Amityville Horror did that, too. But um, this is so like suburban new house. You know, it should be safe and good. And like this is like, oh, no, they live in the the bad the bad place and it's like a little pie a little bit like gentrification and like you know building and new houses things like that and there's a whole joke about um crazy nelson showing the house to people and another house and they're like they all look the same 
which is like <laughs> become pretty prevalent in you know like you go into modern houses and they all and they all look the same you can't even tell the difference um so commenting on that and just like uh, you know but you yeah the setup is so good the families the characters are so good the actors so good that's like that's before you get into the horror stuff so then you care about them when like carol ann gets like lost and all that um which is why I think it works so well, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, the family is the key to the movie. And it feels like you're just... It opens with that eerie scene of Carol Ann first talking to the TV. But, well, technically, it opens with, you know, Craig T. Nelson just drunk Kevin falling asleep in front of the TV, which is hilarious. And, <laughs> like... As a dog lover, I love that we're introduced to this family just through the dog running around the house. I think that's adorable. And then it ends on Carol Ann walking downstairs and uh, having her first little chat with the TV people. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a kind of eerie scene to open on, but then you don't really remember it for a while. You're just hanging out with the family, going about their business. And yeah, they are a very lovable, ordinary family. And there are even some, there are fun little details that do feel like Hooper, like uh, when Carol Ann's pet bird dies and oh, wow. they have to give it the little funeral. <laughs> then at the very end of the funeral, she's just like, she's so sad the whole time. And she's like, even giving them stuff to bury the bird with. They have a little funeral. And then the second it's over, she's like, can I get a goldfish now? <laughs> oh. And it's just such, it's, it's some like it just shows how details can go to make a movie richer and like the details are part of what make this family yeah, it, yeah. i love <laughs> oh god now you're just the family the environment how it feels like an average neighborhood like mm -hmm. you've got the god the guy just but riding his bike with the beer for some reason and just <laughs> as if uh -huh. he was not gonna fall off and just like crack a bunch of them open you've got the <laughs> argument with uh craig t nelson and his neighbor on like the placement of the tv oh i love that yeah and neither <laughs> one of them can just like change the t the the channel on the tv <laughs> it's like they are hooked on these items of convenience the uh remote control and they just have to use that and that's a that's a fun little goofy scene and i just love how Okay, this is going to be like the one pretentious moment of like film <laughs> criticism. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to bring some serious film criticism to this movie that it's probably something that people have said countless times, but Poltergeist the movie I haven't really read a lot of discourse on, so I feel like I'm an, I feel like it's original, but mm -hmm. all pretty much like all of the items of their suburban convenience are what are kind of destroying them. Like the TV is what, uh, like the TV is what's got Carol Ann trapped. Uh, oh God, I got to go back to my notes. This was actually one of the observations <laughs> I made back mm -hmm. when we were going to first record like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Uh -huh. So some of it's kind of faded from my memory. But um, it does end. I'll just jump ahead. The the very very last shot is them pushing the TV out of the hotel room. I feel like we're like we're done with this for which, now. <laughs> yeah, that feels like that's you know I'll get to that in a moment. But um, 
Yeah, like they're basically their house literally ends up imploding. And it's like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. ultimate symbol of this suburban comfort just like swallowed up into the ground. And it's also kind of like a um I kind of lost the point I was gonna make. The point <laughs> is, yeah, just like suburban existence, not everything it's cut out to be. I don't know. Seems it's it seems pretty comforting to me right now, but I would imagine like there there's there's dark undercurrent to it. And that's what this movie was saying. And that's another reason why I like that feels more Hooper than Spielberg. Because Spielberg's a very sentimental guy. Yes, and there's yes. this dark <laughs> undercurrent running through this neighborhood that feels very Hooper. Yeah. And I wouldn't <laughs> it's funny because like the like the stuff of the family is nice and and all good. It's I, I wouldn't call it sentimental. The movie is not like sentimental, I feel like, about this stuff. It's kind of like look what we had to do to build these nice new houses. And it's kind of like the price you paid for your nice modern home, you know, it's like, and now you guys, it literally gets, yeah, you said like sucked up at the end. Like it just like implodes and is gone. Like, um, I mean, it's the, the neighborhood's getting fucked up too at the end. So it's like, like the price you guys I mean, paid. According to Poltergeist too, the neighborhood's pretty much all right. At the end, it was just their house that got destroyed. Oh, I forgot about that. I've only seen Poltergeist two and three each one time. And I like uh, I, I like three more than two. Uh, I agree. Poltergeist three is kind of awesome. I think it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. A awesome. lot of lot of mirrors and glass stuff, but it's we, like, can, <laughs> we can get it. Yeah, we can get into those in a little bit. But I was original. OK, original. I just said something like, well, we're going to get back to that. What was I saying that about? <laughs> Mark, it's Damn past it, midnight. Matt. I don't know. <laughs> you're lucky. You're lucky. This I'm still coherent at this point. It's like 1215 here. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and I have one that just says smoking weed, baby. <laughs> I wrote. I'm, yeah. pre- I'm probably sure I had more to say about them. Uh, that feels like yeah, that feels like a very Hooper moment, kind of portraying the family as very progressive and. Mm-hmm. There's that great moment where at the end where they're uh, they're like they're packing up. The daughter wants to go have dinner with her friend, and they're just like, "Just come back because we got to go stay at this uh, hotel, this Holiday right. Inn, over on so." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh yeah, I remember that place." And they're like, "What's that?" And then she's like, "Oh shit, I got to change the conversation." It's yeah. like, "All right, their daughter's just like they just made an offhanded comment. Their daughter's out getting laid, and uh, this movie's all right with that." Yeah. You know, what's funny, too, is that I, I feel like they kind of position the parents as like kind of liberal, like hippie types that are smoking weed. But then also Craig Nelson, I think, is reading a book about Reagan, like man of the people or man of America, Reagan. Like, well, I think sh- that's I think that's part of it. They're trying to portray them as like kind of, quote unquote, aging hippies. That's where what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, like when they kind were of sold younger, out. they yeah. were all into that stuff. Yeah, exactly. They sold out. Like, they got older and realized that that, like, that vision wasn't everything. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's fast. It's, <laughs> they're, they're fascinating characters to uh, spend time with because of that. Yeah, because I was just I, kind of off topic but it was just like it's funny like even people like them who you think they're like liberal progressives like i guess they're they still would like vote for reagan like a guy that literally i think in 84 won every single state in the election except for the home state of walter Mondale. <laughs> like can you imagine anybody any president winning every single state 
almost in any kind of modern election like that's that, insane is that actually right i don't think i, I ever heard that fact. i believe i think literally i think walter mondale won his home state and i think he might have won dc but reagan literally won in every single other state <laughs> like oh that's God. how popular he was and i just think i don't know how much like reagan stuff is in here because only 82 he hasn't even been president that long but um it's just funny, like to be like, even the old hippies are like, this Reagan guy's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, I mean, the fact that they're living where they are and right. that he is doing for a living what he does, Steve, the Craig T. Nelson character, he's a realtor, literally selling people on this conformist dream. Like, it's very much everything he does is kind of opposing this, uh, like, kind of hippie image they have of themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, and there could be a little criticism of that, of like, you know, saying like, "Oh, you do this and that." Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> there's the map for '84. Look at all the red. Jesus <laughs> Christ! You were oh, kidding. I asked my mom recently. I was like, "How popular was Reagan?" Because I wasn't really alive for all that. She's like, "It seemed like everybody liked him." So I mean, or that he, yeah. but all this. The criticism... '80s were a wonderful time. Thank God we are so nostalgic for that period right now. <laughs> Nothing bad happened then that caused <laughs> our modern economic problems or anything. Oh, well, poltergeist. Oh, my uh, God. So... Anyway, we we're talking about the, uh, yeah, kind of them voting for Reagan and how they are kind of, they're trying to lead, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, they're trying A to bit, yeah, yeah. enjoy this very wealthy existence while also pretending like they're these old school hippies that are more, you know, about the little man. And they're very progressive. And it's kind of hypocritical. And the whole movie is kind of this uh, Reagan dream just coming back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sp I mean, Spielberg's like not a Spielberg's definitely got, uh, you know, co social commentary in his movies like that. But it's usually a little more, I don't want to say subtle, but it's never as cheeky as it is in this movie. This feels mm -hmm. like, Cooper is having fun with all this, uh, all these things just coming back and just really getting them in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, it's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that makes it more interesting than just like a standard like haunted house, you know, horror movie. Uh, I was noticing this time too. I was like, man, the structure of this is kind of fascinating because it's almost like a four act movie because I feel like you have the introduction, all the setup. Yeah. Well, you got two climaxes, baby. I yes, I was going to get to that point. It's like so the whole introduction set up, and I would say maybe up to like when Carol Ann disappears. There's a big like how how big is that time jump? Like I I'm always so confused how much time has passed where like or no hold on I may mix things up when he goes to the paranormal team the three of them then it looks like it's been a bit because he's all like haggard and you know, kind of like hasn't slept, it seems like. And he says, like, this has been going on for, does he say how long it's been going on for all the paranormal stuff? I forget. It just, okay. it happens so suddenly I'm kind of caught off guard by right. it. And I don't, I always forget <laughs> to pay attention to exactly how long it's been. I don't know but if I mean, they even say, look, but yeah, he goes to that team. Look, here's the thing. Their daughter is stuck in a TV. So it's probably <laughs> yeah. not that long because i would imagine if something like that happens to you you are you're probably gonna it's probably not gonna be long before you start accepting any explanation for it 
the funnier thing is we can kind of start branching off into the sequels, which, uh, they're, they're oh, hang on. Sorry, let me finish my thought. Cause I didn't, so it was like introduction, Carolyn gets taken, gets the paranormal team. Then you think they're in there, but then they need more backup. So they called Zelda Rubenstein, who is a great character, classic character. Oh my and God. And then there's incredible performance. Like, Talk about just walking in one day and just completely taking over a movie. And that's exactly how it feels like. She walks in and like from, I think, behind Crazy Nelson and just owns the movie. That And then like, you know, everything. It's like all these iconic lines like this house is clean. Like, And then your movie like clock, your brain says, we got Carol Ann back. That's it. We're going to do a little wrap up. They're probably going to move the end. Then it throws one more. Like, like you said, two there's another climax that comes where it's like, it's like, oh, I thought we were done because every bit of your internal movie logic is like, we're done now. We've been, we've saved the daughter, uh, we're good. And then I, as a kid, I remember like thinking, this movie's over. Like, what? I was so blown away, especially as a child. I was like, no, no, we finished the, we did, the, the, you know, we finished the movie. What's this extra bit? Um. Which is where so much more crazy stuff happens in the last like twenty ish minutes of the movie. It's 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 so interesting. I feel like every time I'm almost caught off guard by it. Like I know what's coming, but it feels like the movie should be over when they get uh, her back, and then it's not quite over yet. It's I a mean, very it builds up. It builds up so nicely. Like they really kind of they draw out the whole them moving out of the house. Like they're right. packing boxes, dragging them out to the street. And then I feel like once um, Diane, Joe Beth Williams, like settles into her bath, that's when you start thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like, it's going a little too long. Something's (laughs) up. Do you think that this movie, I would imagine that worked really well up until DVDs and Blu-rays and you being able and streaming and you being able to check your progress on a movie more easily. That's what I was because on too. VHS you really didn't have a great uh like I feel like maybe it's just because I was younger when VHS was around, but you didn't. It was a little harder to check your time, and you also didn't maybe you didn't have as great a grasp on how long the movie was. Yeah, I was actually I was thinking about this too. I was like, wow, this must have tricked people a lot easier. Well, especially in the theaters, because no one had probably seen it if they're seeing it the first time. And you don't you can't really clock it as easy. And then if you're V VCRs, like depending on your setting, I mean you could see like the time, but you'd have to go and check the back of the box and be like, How long is this movie? And then look at the VCR clock and be like, So I got 20 minutes left. So it'd be easier to fool you but now i'm watching hbo max <laughs> and i can see i got 25 minutes left you know but i already you know what i mean it's like i know but it's yeah it's it's harder to fool people that kind of stuff in dvd blu-ray streaming like you have a much a keener grasp on where you are in the movie <laughs> so exactly which uh, leads me to a question yeah when was the last do you remember the last time a movie got you in that way because for me, it's kind of surprisingly recent, but I'm curious if you remember the last time you were watching a movie and you thought it was over and then it successfully fooled you and they still had some more time left and you were into it. Because I could see that happening in a bad movie and you being <laughs> uh-huh. like, are you kidding me? I got more time. I, I can't deal with it. No, I this thing's supposed to be over. But like for me, I'll I'll go ahead and say mine because okay, yeah. I got it. But um, when I watched Freaky, I went to see Freaky, the uh, Vince Vaughn, the oh, Blumhouse yeah, body switch yeah, yeah. comedy mm-hmm. in theaters, and yes, that kind of pulls <laughs> that kind of pulls that trick, and it actually got me 
like they even keep cutting back to uh shots of Vince Vaughn in uh, an ambulance. And I'm just like I for some reason I was still like, all right, this thing's over, but then they <laughs> it's not that long. Like the final confrontation after that is kind of quick, but mm-hmm. still I applaud a movie for actually getting me with that trick in this day and age when we've seen almost everything imaginable. <laughs> That's a good, I didn't even think about that one. That is good. That has like two climaxes because it has the big climax. That I think it's a dance at the school and then yeah. it's like the extra one in the house. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't think of one that's like a false ending. I The most recent thing I can think of that got me on like, it, I didn't know when it was going to end or the turn, like I, Barbarian it's not like the endings per se, but like all the turns it was taking, I didn't know where it was going to end up. So I didn't know when we were going to be done. You know what I mean? It was like, I kept thinking like, maybe this is the ending. Like when it got to the end, I knew it was the ending, but um, I don't know. That one just took, I can't think of another one like a good, like fake out ending recently, but see, barbarian doesn't barbarian's good. Cause it kind of throw, it throws you off from the get go. So yeah, you never really know where you're going to end up. With <laughs> I never one. know where I am in that movie, but I appreciate it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the best example I got off the top of my head for being 1230 uh, <laughs> or in the morning, 1230 in the morning. It's um, only 1130 here. <laughs> well, on those central time. Every, everyone I podcast <laughs> with is on central time, I swear, except for like three people who are like everybody, all you Midwesterners and Texas people. <laughs> just just move a little closer. I know, but you'll I be like... on the same time being near the ocean i want to be a a east coast elite mark please (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) better that than a west coast elite true (laughs) there's no we can't be elite out here i remember i'm in virginia beach this is not like real east coast elite this is not this is not like yeah like being an la person so (laughs) um what are we talking oh. about? You want to talk about the sequels? <laughs> Let's talk about the sequels because I was talking about how the house doesn't like it's looking like bad things are going to happen to the neighborhood, like it's mm-hmm. going to spread out from there. But then in Poltergeist 2, it's still just the Freeling house that's been swallowed up. Every other house in Cuesta Verde is all right. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. And then another thing, like after like Craig T. Nelson, after this family has gone through this ordeal, and Tangina has basically been their hero, has successfully helped them get Carol Ann back. Uh like the first time they are uh, like I think it's um Will Sampson from uh One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. It like shows up at their new house. They're staying with the uh, Di- uh, Carol Ann's grandmother, I think it's Diane's mother, and he uh-huh. shows up at their house and he's like, Tangina sent me. And uh, Craig T. Nelson's like, oh, how is the old wacko? And it's like, he's just completely blocked out all memory of the first film and everything <laughs> that she did to help him. He's mm-hmm. back to just looking at her and all like people who believe in that as complete whack jobs, even though he went through it's kind of the classic 80s sequel trope of how they just like forget everything that happened in the first movie so that everything can happen again fright night 2 fright night 2 is like the penultimate example (laughs) fright night 2 is pretty good though poltergeist 2 i do not like yeah yeah i like fright night 2 but it does a thing where it's like 
let's all pretend we didn't see all this shit in the first movie. <laughs> like, yeah, Poltergeist 2 I was disappointed by. I thought I would like it more because it's most like the family. And then and then three, I was like, I'm not going to like this because like it's I think it's only Heather O'Rourke and everyone else is gone. Um, but it's a cool another cool location that like crazy apartment building which is fucking glass every mirrors I everywhere love, <laughs> love that apartment building so much who's the director of that one i feel like it's a pretty that was uh, so that was gary sherman not like a big guy but like an underrated that guy director though i think yeah underrated that guy big in horror circles because he did dead and buried oh uh, yeah, he yeah. did vice squad like he's a really competent director and gary sherman I yeah think... elisa oh one dead or alive the the uh um god uh Rucker Hauer like bounty hunter movie I love. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. Oh my watch it. It's got the literally the very, very end is like one of my favorite things. It's amazing. <laughs> um the bad guy is Gene Simmons. I mean, Jesus, it's what uh, he lives on a houseboat. What more do you want? He's like he's, I gotta uh, I gotta watch that. Yeah, that so sounds good. amazing. Yeah, it's great. Pol- and Poltergeist three, very, very well directed movie, very competent. And yeah, just like it's it's kind of first off the sequels. I, I support Poltergeist three, but the sequels, if you accept them as canon, kind of portray the Freelings as kind of a shitty family because yeah. Now, yeah. all right, in part two, I think it's revealed that they've shipped like they've sent the older daughter off to live with someone else. That's Obviously, because unfortunately, the actress Dominique Dunn, who played her, died in real life. Like shortly after Poltergeist came out, yeah, very, very tragic. The same year, I think. Yeah, very the same tragic. Year, yeah, murdered by her um, ex boyfriend. Like, she's yeah, she's like, yeah. great in that movie, so she would have been a great like presence to see in more movies. Yeah, yeah. that makes it sound like I'm saying, oh, if she wasn't a great presence, she deserved to die. I don't that's think that's not what at all what I'm saying. <laughs> no, that's not that's how you were saying. I'm <laughs> sorry, maybe it's just it's just really tired, so I'm getting weird. Uh I feel like I'm saying weird stuff. The point is tragic. Uh I'm sure we'll get into uh like the deaths related to this franchise a little bit. Uh we can even talk about the incredible Shudder original series, Cursed Films, <laughs> that prove like I've never watched movies, it. Uh, it like they proved that the exorcist was not cursed by hiring one real life exorcist and proving he was a charlatan. It's <laughs> an inc- it's incredible television, Matt. Sounds like riveting. they are uh, like, <laughs> groundbreaking. Oh god, I I didn't even bother with the second season. I thought the first season was nonsense. Well, uh, sorry to cut you off. We could ju- that poltergeist curse thing, which I heard about it for years. It was like a- uh, let me say one okay, thing before ahead, I forget though. it. I do think it's amusing that like a curse is associated with a franchise in which, to my knowledge, like no one dies in any of these movies. Like no one d- actually dies in the first the characters. Film. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like that's... sorry, sorry. Yeah, the characters. None of the characters die in the first yeah. film. None of them die in the second film. I don't think anyone dies in the third film. It's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe, I think maybe Tangina dies, but other than that, yeah, it's strange that like a death curse is associated with a franchise for which there is little to no death involved. Yeah, I think, and like I, I mean, it, was... it deal it deals with the afterlife, but again, no explicit deaths in the movies themselves. I think. 
I think you're right. And I've heard about this thing for years. Well, there's an E True Hollywood story like years ago that was like the poltergeist curse. It, I'll be honest, I, I was gonna get into this. I feel like it's a little overblown because from what I was reading, there was really only like four deaths, and two of them were to people that were older uh already. Um the the tra- the tragic ones are like they're, not, they're all tragic again. See, I'm saying stupid shit too. Yeah, but like, yeah. the ladies the, and gentlemen, it's 11:36 <laughs> for me, 12:36 a.m. for Matt. Give us a break here, please. So, out of three movies, unless I'm mistaken, that it's four people, two of which were already older and had, I think, medical conditions already, and then the Heather O'Rourke, very very young, had a whole thing. I too complicated for me to repeat all of it but something where they thought she had Crohn's disease but it wasn't Crohn's disease and it led to all these other problems and and just you know they didn't yeah, diagnose it correctly like, you can even see her like really puffy cheeks in the third film which I, were, like, yes. a symptom of her condition and it's I remember just, hearing about that it's yeah really heartbreaking stuff yeah it's so sad she's so young and just so sweet and like and she's so yeah. she's so adorable in those movies i know all of them i know it's uh so that's terrible and then of course uh it is dominique dune dominique dunn do you think they have dune it's like dunn or dune i say dunn <laughs> uh dominique dunn her thing was i mean just that's crazy the that you're horrifying your crazy boyfriend ex-boyfriend comes and kills you because you try to get away from it. that's terrifying and uh i mean so yeah it's all all sad all tragic but like they try to make a curse out of it i think they want to make a curse out of it because like it's horror movies and the whole thing i know this would be deal that they used real human remains in the pool and they're like did that curse the movie because they they used real human remains and um because it was cheaper apparently (laughs) like um which is crazy that they actually use real human remains but um so you know, they the, did actually use real human remains. Then? Everything I've ever heard or read said they that, that that's what they I did. will admit. Yeah, I I apologize, people. I did not do as much research as I should have. Although that is partially the fault of and you know, rest in peace, Toby Hooper. But I am gonna get a little irritated because apparently, like, there are no bonus features on this Blu-ray except for some like the reality behind the paranormal real life ghostbusters there's just like a few featurettes like that there are like there's no behind the scenes on it i think like they have a little booklet in the fall from the blu-ray which if i didn't have all my movies packed away right now i would have dug i would have been able to go through that and read it before we started but basically there's a there's not a lot of behind the scenes info or not as much as you'd like because I remember on an interview I heard, like, kind of close, like, not that long after Toby Hooper passed, where it's basically revealed, like, because Steven Spielberg was not talking about it on any behind-the-scenes documentaries and Frank Marshall wasn't, Toby Hooper was like, if they're not talking about it, I'm not talking about it. And because none of these people wanted to, like, decided, they just decided not to talk about it, so we don't have that much behind-the-scenes. And I'm just like, why like what was the big deal about talking about this movie like i'm wondering if it's just you know heather o'rourke and dominique dunn they just it's too painful for them to touch on that subject i don't know what the reason is but i'll admit it's a little frustrating as someone who loves this movie and wants to see like more behind the scenes info on it that i don't get that yeah i mean i i thought it was more just they after all the 
stuff. I mean, the stuff was right after it came out of it. Who directed it? And like, I felt like well, they you did... think they'd want to go on and clarify that. Yeah, it was probably pretty painful for Toby Hooper because it's like his biggest financial success was like tainted because people were like, you didn't direct this. It's like, oh, cool. Take away my biggest financial win. Thanks, guys. Like, that's got to sting quite a bit. I can imagine why he wouldn't want to talk. Even again, if like... like if he's. Yeah, I guess I get. I don't know. I mean, you think <laughs> that if he I mean, if he's proud of the movie, he'd just want to talk about it, like regardless of what happened. But again, I don't know. You know, he's got his reasons. I'm sure they're valid. It's just like. As a fan, I would like I would like that info. And I would also yeah. like Warner Brothers to be honest. Like, if you can't get them back to talk about the movie, like don't pad it out with these BS real <laughs> life poltergeist situations, bonus features, whatever. Just like put out a standard Blu-ray. I wonder. I mean, if I guess stuff. they do have yeah. I'm sure there's stuff in that booklet that I need to just read one of these days i get all these fancy blu-rays of booklets i never even read the booklets so what do i know <laughs> oh, oh god i'm yawning uh yeah so sorry it's so late um yeah i do the same thing i get booklets i'm like ah you know what is this criterion come on no i'm just kidding <laughs> but um there's a new 4k that came out i wonder if there's more on the 4k probably not but probably not but i thanks for reminding about that i kind of want to pick that up I feel like it would look great on 4K, but... Um... I really... That reminds me. I meant to see it. After we uh, postponed our recording, that was the week... We, we were originally going to record the weekend that it was actually re-released in 4DX. At oh, yeah, yeah. Regal Theaters. And I kind of wanted to go see that. I wanted to see what that would be like. But I never got around to that. I'm a little disappointed, because that'd probably be a fun one with, like, all the fun little goofy enhanced features 4DX <laughs> throws your way. You know what? We went off on a big tangent, like when I talked about <laughs> Dominique Dunn, that like I we got completely away from the point I was making on the oh. sequels basically <laughs> have the freelings shipping off all their kids. Cause that uh, granted, yeah, again, they have a good reason for writing that in for Dominique Dunn, but then for Poltergeist 3, probably because Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams didn't want to come back, and they had to like come up with this whole new story around different characters. Basically, have the they were able to get Heather O'Rourke back, so they're just like, oh, they shipped her off to live with her aunt and uncle. So they are just slowly getting rid of all, <laughs> all the kids. kids. Yeah, and the because of that, the sequels really don't paint the Freelings in a good light. It's true. After they come off as like such great parents in the first movie. It is a little depressing that the sequels, they're just like getting worse and worse. I hate when they do it like for that for sequels when they have to like paint them as like bad parents, basically just because they can't get the actors back. I think Child's Play does that, too. They make her look. It does. Really, they make a really bad mom and she seems like a pretty great mom and they make her look so shitty because she didn't want to come back. And it, it's like, I hate that. And like when they can't like, get the and the kids get like passed on, it's like, OK, well, go live with your aunt and uncle now because mom's like either in a mental institution or off in Europe. It's always something it's like either on a long vacation or off for work or like they're in a hospital. It's like, those are the, the reasons <laughs> like, um, and yeah. yeah, I get, I get why they do it. Like they got to make right. money and they've yes. got, like... they're able to get the kids back, but not the adults or, and they're just like, yeah, they want to, they want to keep it going, but they got to write this BS excuse into the script. And it does kind of, it doesn't diminish the first film, but it, I don't know, I guess it kind of does. 
I mean, but it's yeah, easy. they're yeah, they're such an amazing family in the first film, and you're just part of like part of why I don't completely hate Poltergeist too is because it is just fun seeing that family again. Yeah, yeah, that was probably my favorite part. I it's and I I'm really good at like shutting off like if sequels do something really shitty <laughs> that kind of could retroactively hurt the first one. I'm pretty good about turning it off, like and kind of forgetting or just kind of putting it out of my brain. I know some, I've heard people say like oh, they did this thing in a sequel to a movie and it like, it makes me not like the first one. And I, I've, I can't think of anything there. I have that where I'm like, you know, I may not like it, but I can easily go back to the first one and be like, ah, okay, it's fine again. Like, I don't have to think yeah. about like this couple being broken up or this person, this character has been killed off, like, or wh- whatever BS they do. But, uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's, yeah, I can, I just made that. a big deal out of it. Like it does ruin these movies for me. It really doesn't. It's just, <laughs> It's weird. It's just they're just strange decisions. But that leads yeah. me to a question for you, Matt. Uh-huh. If you had to live with someone, who would you rather live with? Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams or Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen? Or <laughs> uh-huh. Sam Rockwell and Rosemary DeWitt? <laughs> uh... I like Nancy Allen a lot. Uh, Tom Skerritt kind of scares me. He's a little tough. Uh, no, <laughs> no, Tom Skerritt. What are you talking about? I don't Tom know. Skerritt's he comes delightful. off as like tough to me. Craig Nelson's goofier in Polter guys. I would go with Joe Buffalo Williams and and Craig T. Nelson. I think. Oh man, I don't know. They're great, but man, I maybe it's partially the building, but that I. I love that building in Poltergeist 3. I'd have to, I would happily take the Scarret I mean, and Nancy cool, but... And I'm saying that like that's a trade down, but honestly, I feel like they would be just as delightful to live with. I don't get those intimidating vibes from Tom Scarret than you do. He seems like uh he seems like he seems like Craig T. Nelson, who's just accepted that he's uh that he's the conservative big shot like uh-huh. rich guy and he's just like whatever man you know what tr- like i sold out <laughs> but i'm all right with it look at how i'm living large baby <laughs> look at my and look at where like i live it's and he seems like he's a lot happier for that because he's yeah. not like just giving up his kids he's like reaganomics baby it paid off <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh uh, well, uh, Mark, I hate to rush you along here, but it is almost 1 a.m. and I am fading fast. I, uh, if you have uh, any major uh, things you want to hit before we wrap let me, up. Uh, do that, let me do that thing where I run through my notes. <laughs> I, I hate to rush you, but it's this is an extreme circumstance. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll say one, there's a little part in Poltergeist 3 talking about how cool Baby Scarrett is. He's uh, <laughs> like, he's just like, you know, chilling with the maintenance crew. He's just like, I mean, pretty cool. hey, what's up, man? How you doing today? And it's like he's a good boss. <laughs> uh all right. Yeah, a lot of great mirror effects in part three. I kind of thought we were gonna maybe talk more about the sequels just because I feel like Poltergeist is such an off-discussed film that like I don't know what else you could say about it. But I, <laughs> I thought about like... that too, but I was not prepped for a sequel discussion. But I did think about like you know what's funny? With this whole podcast, I didn't even mention it's like the 40th anniversary of Poltergeist. I completely missed the 82. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. I completely forgot to mention that point. I'm so bad at remembering to mention the anniversaries because we did Lost Boys. I think I think you would have done a good job if we were recording a little early. At a normal hour. Uh, Lost Boys was like 35th anniversary. 
what else have we done? Uh, uh, Prince of Darkness, 35th anniversary. Uh, and it's funny because the past three weeks, we've hit like three Masters of Horror in a row unintentionally because we did Carpenter, Craven, and now Hooper. Oh, my God. Uh, completely not planned. Uh, it was like That's beautiful. It is beautiful. And it was beautiful that it was a coincidence. And the last week, I won't say what we're doing yet. I keep hinting at it, but uh, it's a big movie. I wouldn't call the guy a master of horror, but he's a master director. He's a master of cinema. Yeah, I know that... what it is. I might <laughs> you, be there for You it. might be there. You might not. Who knows? It's a mystery. Um, but yeah, we're ending with a big one too. So sorry. What what else? What else you got? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of great little moments that really build up the family in this. Like, I love that part where Dan uh Steve, for some reason I keep thinking Craig T. Nelson's character is named Dan, but it's uh Steve. Uh he's <laughs> like he pokes his head into Dana, the older daughter's room. He's like, good night, Dana. And she's on the phone and she like quickly tries to hide it. And then he like closes the door, just stands out, stands outside <laughs> for like 10 seconds, opens the door. And he's like, get off the phone, Dana. <laughs> and it's not like a really angry thing. It's just like, uh, yeah, I know my daughter's just breaking the rules right now. Right. Just scare her into stopping. Uh, the big ghost at the end that pops in for the second climax has the MGM roar. And I think that's funny. <laughs> oh, he does. I do like the design of that ghost thing, demon. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, that, uh, it's funny because I was gonna mention this while you, that I think, like, I love all like the practical effects this movie and most of the optical stuff, like the early CGI stuff, like, is okay it, it holds up like some of it holds up pretty well i like the look of like that demon um but like the stuff when it flies around the room when they open the door and the lamp like screws the bulb in it's a little it's a little oh, shaky okay. by the standards but it's it's still fun i like it but it's like, fun yeah them doing the gag with the chairs in the kitchen is pretty amazing because that was done practically and i don't remember the details but like it, it's an unbroken shot where Joe Beth Williams walks away from the table where there's like five or six chairs around the table, goes to a cabinet. And I counted this time. It's less than eight seconds that that crew had to move all the chairs out from the table and move this big stack of chairs onto the table. And I, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they like got physically got the chairs out and the other chairs in, in that seven seconds or eight seconds. It's amazing. They hired um, a Tetris wizard. We want you to take your game like the you've mastered this game. We want you to apply these skills to real life. And we've got just the way for you to do it. <laughs> oh, and you're playing the original Poltergeist now. And it's that creepy part where Dominique Dunn is leaving her house and the construction crew building the pool or like being creeps. And then Joe Buff Williams sees it all and just laughs like <laughs> she's <daughter."> just laughing. <laughs> these it guys are reminds it kind of reminds me of the part in the original Hellraiser where the Kirsty, the daughter, like first up, the movers in that movie are flirting with Julia, the wife slash most evil character in cinema. And she's just like, whatever. And then they just start flirting with uh, Kirsty being creeps toward her. And then she starts, if I'm correct, she starts <laughs> dating the guy. I know mm -hmm. she starts dating someone in that movie. I remember it being a mover. I could be wrong, but it's just like two very odd reactions to that scenario in these 80s movies. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I, that's actually one of the notes that I had uh, I was about to call out because I do think that's a delightful but also questionable moment. <laughs> uh-huh. In fact, I prefaced that note with, oh boy. <laughs> uh, there's a shot of the bulldozer moving dirt in the backyard and it displaces the bird's grave foreshadowing. Oh, smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else I got? What else I got? Oh, yeah. The random tornado in the middle of this movie? Like, did these ghosts just conjure up a tornado to distract the family so they could get Carol in? That's a good question. Like, those how are, much those power... are powerful ghosts. Yeah, they're it controlling the weather now. It comes out of nowhere. I think we get, like, one shot of this tornado. <laughs> uh, Hold on. You know, I realize we've we've been like we've talked about everyone in this movie, but we really haven't made much mention of Beatrice Strait, who plays the um uh the like the paranormal researcher, the woman that they go to right. uh for before Tangina comes in. And like she's like like she, I don't know. I, I think there's that one scene where she has that bit like she gives that big speech to Robbie the uh Carol Ann's all slightly is he older or younger? I don't know. Carol Ann's brother. He's a little he's older, only, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Carol Ann's brother. And she gives that whole speech about like what she believe what people believe happens when you die. And it's such an amazing, and that's part of why I think it feels um like an outlier in Hooper's career. Because it's a very quiet moment for Toby Hooper. This whole speech that she gives and the silence while everyone else around her is sleeping and i think it's a great moment so i just want to give her a shout out for that that part was really good i was like this lady exudes a lot of warmth uh i mean i'm not gonna die there's a lot of like spielberg like warmth in the movie which is like i don't usually attribute toby hooper with like warmth and stuff like on warm moments in a movie but i again i just think it's a collaboration of their the especially i've seen more toby hooper movies uh so the last time i watched poltergeist I just feel like it's their styles, like, literally colliding. Like, I just feel like it's just, it's truly, like, the chocolate and the peanut butter coming together. And just, like, you know, it works, I think. Because it's, a, I think, without either one, if it was just one of, like, if it's just Toby Hooper, it's just Spielberg, both those movies are very different. Um, and probably not as good. I think they're better. It's, it's, you know, the collaboration makes me better than it could be any other way. So absolutely and it's funny because this was originally supposed to be a collaboration between i think i mentioned it earlier yeah spielberg and stephen king yeah and i've actually read a lot of stephen king this year and so i've kind of like books that i've been putting i've been familiar with him mostly through his movies but these are books i've been putting off for like well over a decade i've finally gotten around to him and like I'm starting to pick up on more of his sensibilities and he's a very sentimental writer, but also, especially in his early novels, he's not afraid to go dark and right, like, yeah. like Salem's lots one we can focus in on since Hooper did the adapt- adaptation of that. Like there is like real seediness and ugliness underlying the small town in that book. And I feel like maybe that kind of clash with what Spielberg wanted something more innocent and Mm -hmm. that's why it and this is my like 
this is just my uh, guess as to why that didn't work out because King wanted something a little meaner and it was a little too mean for what Spielberg wanted. And Hooper probably wanted something a little meaner, but he was more willing to meet uh, Spielberg in the middle ground. Right. Yeah. I, I think Hooper was smarter to realize like, this is a pretty big opportunity. Like maybe I should, you know, collaborate with Spielberg and, and like, you know, he is the producer. He's given him this opportunity. He's like, let's really work together and, you know, um, see how it goes. So, but yeah, I think Stephen King probably would try to bring more darkness into it. Like, it's funny because the whole Native American burial ground thing comes up again with Pet Cemetery, which I think is a lot of people get confused too <laughs> with that. Like, when this movie, they think it's that this movie, but that happens at Pet Cemetery. There's a little bit of it'd be kind of parallel that movie gets that book and movie are so dark that it's like they get they start off like oh family dynamic and then it becomes like the darkest thing you've ever seen and it's like you know that's a good example of king doing that yeah i mean the remake's dark i i know you love the original i think it's a good movie but that original like it's kind of silly It's, it's it's, it's dark but like i mean you've got victor pascal goofing around you've got uh lewis creed like doing Pratt falls at the most awkward moments like that it that has... movie is not from what i've heard about that book which i haven't read it is like no like a fraction as dark as that book is yeah i shouldn't pretend like i've read the book i would know what i know about the book <laughs> is that is that it's very sad and very dark and very bleak i mean the movie ends on a very dark note the pascal stuff is very yeah, kind of goofy. And some of the I always use this example, but like the funeral sequence uh, seems so over the top that it's like a dream <laughs> sequence. You're like, no, this really happened. The movie plays it so over the top that it's like, this has to be, this can't be real. And you're like, oh, it was real. Um, so there's some weird stuff, but it's still very the, the whole the whole premise is dark. The whole the whole idea of like burying your dead loved ones in this this like place and they come back, but they're not like they were and uh i mean you know it's fucked up but it's like so it yeah is. too dark too dark for spielberg i would think yeah definitely i mean you'd and yeah, again like let's say you're just going with hooper pre-poltergeist you would never think that those styles would mesh so well together and yet they do I, yeah i feel like they complement each other in a weird way like um yeah i i don't know i just uh I do. It's I, every time I watch Poltergeist now, I think I actually appreciate it more because it is like one of those things. It feels really baked into the culture. Like everyone, I, I don't think everyone say anything bad about Poltergeist. It's like e- e- people might not love it, but they're like, yeah, it's good, uh, you know. But it's it's just a solid, good movie, and it still works. Uh, yeah, I just think it's it's so great. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's one in the morning. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut one more moment that. It feels very Spielberg because Spielberg's often called the master of the like motivated oneer because oh, he yeah, usually yeah. has those long takes that you don't notice. And it really stuck out to me when I was watching it this morning. But there's that long take when um when they're fine when like climax number one is starting up when Tangina's like telling them what they have to do and. It's based, it starts off on kind of a close-up of Tangina telling Diane to call out to Carol Ann. 
And the camera keeps like finding a new focal point in that scene mm-hmm. while never actually cutting. And it'll drift from Tangina to Diane back to Tangina over to Steve. And it like ends on Tangina, but like she also in the mo- in the middle of the scene, she has like drifted from the foreground completely into the back. It's such an amazing oneer. And I don't think I've ever really process that it's a oneer because you're so focused on the actors in it mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i even noticed that was a oneer until you just said it it's uh now granted it might not be i didn't rewind it to check but i'm pretty sure it's a oneer yeah it's a very impressively made movie it really is so um i was glad toby hooper got oh god sorry the tree part is happening pine mark now when the tree breaks <laughs> through the window uh it's insane um I'm just glad Toby Hooper got to work on such a big level with a big budget. And uh, I'm sad he never, and he, he got some budgets, but can't, can't give him a lot of money and do some wild shit. Life force is a great example. <laughs> but, uh, but after that, that was, I don't, I don't think he got a lot of money to make movies. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a bummer, but Poltergeist is awesome and it still holds up. So absolutely great movie great movie all right we did it good job <laughs> so um <laughs> this was fun even i i feel like i'm staying up late talking to a friend and i'm surprised we recorded it for a podcast <laughs> like it's like just just talk about poltergeist but it was a good time um i always and... have fun talking to you matt no matter how exhausted i am <laughs> same here uh this was fun this was a good time so i guess uh i guess that's it and i hope to be back next week to end october with us if not that's okay too, but <laughs> I hope you'll be here. I hope so too. Um. Anyway, do you want to plug anything? This will this episode will be out like very soon, like Monday, like two days from now. So, <laughs> uh, I've got two podcasts coming out next week. That's oh wow, it's gonna be Mark Warner week because <laughs> you're gonna have this one. I come mean, out too. I mean, may, I mean, maybe three. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. I think three. If uh, I guess it depends on when. Can you say either one? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'll keep a surprise. Feel. I feel like <laughs> okay. in our circles, everyone knows, but I don't want to, like, I, I don't know if they want me telling people. Yeah, I always feel weird together. talking about other people's shows and like what they want to reveal and what they don't want to reveal. So yeah, you're right. We probably should play it safe, but you'll be on some podcasts that people are familiar with if they listen to this show very soon, I imagine. <laughs> so, um, People should look for a lot more Mark Warner. Yeah, you might be on three podcasts this week, possibly four <laughs> if you join us for uh, the other one next week. Well, well just... no, no, that's that's the third I'm talking about. Oh, I'm thinking of. OK, right. I'm thinking of two possible film feasts back to back weeks. I'm thinking of and two other podcasts. Oh, I'm see, I'm not including this one. I'm strictly oh. talking about the ones that I'm going to be on the week after this drops. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I don't give it. Yeah, if you're counting this, yeah, you're gonna get four Mark Warner <laughs> so podcasts. Much, so and much Mark you're Warner. Be so fed up with me. <laughs> uh, no, you're entertaining. People like listen to you. I think so. You know. Well, thank you. Your parents love it. <laughs> They're gonna be uh, we'll busy. See. They're gonna be busy keeping up with you. Uh, yeah. And this we'll might be they, this uh, might be their breaking point where they're like, Mark, you were on four podcasts in a week. I can't listen to all of these. And they really don't like deep down. My mom does not like it when I talk about horror movies because oh, she oh. likes watching the movies that I talk about, but she hates horror movies. So <laughs> she will not 
wow. be watching any of the movies I'm talking about on these. Yeah, he's out of luck for a while, Ben. Um, all right. Do you want to plug any people to follow you, any of that stuff? Hey, follow me on Twitter at the shape 14 capital T H E underscore capital S H A P E one four. Follow me on letterbox. I'll make you laugh occasionally, maybe, <laughs> or maybe every now and then I'll make a good point about a movie on there. That's all I, think I got more, more than ever once in a while, but, uh, <laughs> you, well, you, you and I Hayden that. have very entertaining reviews on letterbox. Most of the time. Um, Whenever I see those, I'm like, this should be interesting. Uh, it's like, what, is, what, <laughs> what will they say? Um, I don't even want to plug anything. I'm so tired. People know. People, know. I say it every episode. So, uh, so I'm surprised. I just realized you always like. I, I feel I you always ask people to rank their like top five from the director you're talking about on these episodes. I I, I did want to ask you that. You... I thought about when i was watching i thought I, you were i i was wondering if you were gonna do that or if you were just like because it was so late you were gonna skip that i don't no, mean to put you on the spot okay i, just, I hope people have still, you yeah. have you discussed a toby hooper film before i don't think we have because usually yeah your first time discussing a big director i i say this because i'm a really big fan of film feast i've listened enough to get the like <laughs> things that you do regularly the crazy thing about doing this a Carpenter, Craven, Hooper thing is I think these are all the first times we've talked about one of their movies. And I, I don't know how it's possible because there are three directors I love and it took this long to talk about their movies on this show. So I hope no one tuned out. People, I feel like people sometimes turn the podcast off. People start listening to their social at the end. They're like, you can always okay, like find a over. way to edit this in earlier. I Mark, you're asking way too much. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm gonna be lucky to edit out the other stuff. I supposed to edit out. Um, okay, we can do that. Uh, do you have? Do you, can you name your top five like top of your head from Toby Hooper? No, <laughs> I will. This is the only Toby Hooper movie I've seen. <laughs> okay, okay. Yo, that's not true. <laughs> you're a phony. This guy's a phony. <laughs> this guy's a phony. Um, yeah, I'll I will do my best. Uh let's the IMDb, okay. that's what I'm doing to help me out. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go top to bottom, not bottom to top. So okay. one would obviously be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Two would probably be Salem's Lot, which since reading the book, my appreciation for that one has just deepened. I, mm -hmm. I love Salem's Lot. Three would probably be the fun house. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you know what? Let me go to let let me make sure I'm not forgetting any. <laughs> there are a couple. Do you want me to do uh, my top five while you're finishing you know your what? top? <laughs> let me do hold on. Let me okay. I got it. I got it. I remember the one. Actually, yeah, you know what? Do yours because I just um I remember there's a couple I might be forgetting. Okay. I'll do mine lowest to highest so okay this is tough because there's like oh, man there's a lot of there's a few number i like five the damned thing number <laughs> four mortuary <laughs> still haven't seen mortuary almost watched that instead of toolbox murders i was like picking again i was like toolbox murders oh mortuary. man i'm i'm glad that you watched toolbox okay <laughs> all right all right um okay let me see if i can do this uh number five I'll go with Life Force. Damn, that's it's slower tough. than I thought. I know. Number four, I'll go the Fun House. No, this is ah man. I think after watching Pol oh boy, uh, <laughs> I'm torn between my two and my three. 
because as of yesterday, I would have switched them. I, I think I'm going to put Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 at 3, Poltergeist at 2, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre at 1. So Life Force, The Fun House, uh, Chainsaw Massacre 2, Poltergeist, the original Chainsaw Massacre. That's very... It was a very difficult top five for me because I love okay. all those movies. Yeah. All right. I got it. So, yeah, one would be Chainsaw Massacre. Two would be Salem's Lot. Three would be The Fun House. Four would probably be. Okay. I thought I had the. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, right now, I poltergeist chainsaw 2 and eaten alive were all kind of tied oh i that so, eaten alive was the one I, I felt bad cutting um i'm not and, gonna lie for the longest time that was actually my my favorite it's like, great i it's a crazy movie love eaten alive <laughs> yeah you know yet yeah, number four i'd probably put poltergeist and then you know what i'm gonna cheat eaten alive and chainsaw 2 are tied sure i'll allow it it's fine it's <laughs> i'm all fine. about it's late I'm all Those about are all great movies. The guy, I mean, I feel like the circle that, like, circle we hang out in, we all appreciate how good Toby Hooper is. There's no controversy there. Right, yeah. Might get some outliers stumble onto this podcast, like, what, what, what are these people spending so much time talking about how good Toby Hooper is? Like, <laughs> I thought I was listening to a Poltergeist podcast. <laughs> like where's all the talk about spielberg oh boy there there it is at the very end of the show <laughs> um <laughs> i know i know. I think it's funny get one more joke in at the very end um yeah um, i apologize to hayden for all the jokes i've made about this this week i i don't think i made a single one on this because i did record a pot one of the podcasts that'll be out next week i went ahead and made my spielberg joke to annoy hayden on that episode oh well, so. there you go so <laughs> okay that's good uh so um i'm glad you're i had thought that earlier and completely forgot probably because it's so late so i'm glad you brought that up because i do like doing the top fives it's fun with... i was definitely thinking about it every now and then when i'm like oh is he gonna ask him my top? i better have those ready and then i clearly yeah. forgot I meant to tell you before we even started recording because i wanted you to have time to think about it and then uh almost completely forgot about it <laughs> so <laughs> oh boy okay well that's this week's episode uh i have to go to bed now so <laughs> it's, I, I gotta I go will... get some dinner and yeah, probably oh fall asleep even... while i'm eating it <laughs> wow um this has been a weird episode, people. I hope you enjoyed it, though. Uh, so we'll uh, be back next week to end October on Halloween with a big episode I'm very excited about. Potentially the most guests we ever had on a Film Feast episode at one time, I think. Pretty excited about that. Oh and a big God. movie. Yeah. If I'm on there, it certainly has to be. If you, yeah. Even without you, I think it is. But with you, it definitely is. But Ooh, that'll uh, be fun. It'll be fun. So, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.